Welcome to another hashtag football Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Along with me with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your surely on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today wherever you get your apps. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can download and watch our other uh, live shows that air throughout the week. So if you happen to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, you can follow us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please find Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms. And if you're a big fan of our work, which I know many of you are, you can always go to subscribe to our podcast at War Anger. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, at War on Anchor. And while you're at it, please give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions, especially for today's show. We're going to get right into it in just a few moments. And speaking of this extravagance, we call it to our radio show. You can always set us up in the comment section on Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something silly or stupid, I'm giving Lakina full power to give you fools to build and be a boot. I love when she says that. <laughs> But before we begin, we must remind you that you can also catch Sports Zone Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate with the squad and give with the program and no more excuses. Sports Zone Chicago is now on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on the sports folder and download Sports Zone Chicago's app through that avenue. If you don't have a Roku TV, you have a bunch of handheld devices, iPad, iPhone, iTouch, your Chromebook like I'm using right now, your personal computer. Just download that Roku TV app and access Sports Zone Chicago through that avenue. So no more excuses. Celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, live and on demand. Anywhere, anywhere, anytime you need it. See, it's all right. You know what we can't provide. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> all right, that's all we can say too, because we can't we can't pay the the rights to that. Uh, to the, to that so. That's why uh, I stopped. <laughs> uh, let's get right to it. So we gotta get it out of the way and talk some bulls. Uh, yuck. Um. Uh, okay. Uh. All right. I'm gonna let you go first, eh, because I got something to say to both bulls and bulls nation, and some people in bulls nation are not gonna like what I'm gonna say. So I'll let you. You sure you want to go first, or no? You go first. No, no. After okay. you. After you. Okay. Well, this is coming from the dome and not from a from a script. This was supposed to be your easiest part of the schedule, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. This past Monday, they beat the Atlanta Hawks uh, pretty convincingly at the United Center. You figure, well. Uh, this team is moving in the right direction like it's supposed to. They're supposed to be at 500 around this time next week or close to the All-Star break. And things were coming together. Zach Levine was averaging over 32 points a game. 
DeMar DeRosa just came back from his calf injury. They're finally starting to get Nikolai Vucevic involved, especially in the post again, just like early this season. He's starting to get production from your bench. It looks like Patrick Williams is starting to show his form. But then the bottom dropped out. Losing to Lakinas, Indiana Pacers on Wednesday and have your main guy, Zach Levine, demand the ball from Vucevic, even though Vucevic had a great game that night. And you have uh, several brain cramps down the stretch in that game. This, it, it just didn't make any sense. And then last night's game at Charlotte against the Hor Michael Jordan's Hornets, uh, you get outplayed, you get outhustled, you get outclassed, you barely score 96 points. The Hornets are one of the worst teams in the NBA, and you didn't show up. I just have a couple of questions. Lakina, is this chemistry really going to work? And number two, shout out to head coach Billy Donovan. I know he's been getting a, a, some sort of a pass in this town, kind of, sort of, but how much blame can you put on Billy Donovan? And number two, number three, I should say, I know I'm sure you're going to talk about this. I know we kind of avoided this, uh, uh, this talk uh, this season, but is it really time to trade a couple of your big stars away from this team? Yeah. All right. Okay. Where to go first? Oh, the Pacers game. Uh, you were up by 21 in the third mm -hmm. quarter. Well, actually, like late in the second quarter going into the third. Mm -hmm. Without their best player, Tyrese, Hall Tyrese Halliburton, who I really like a lot. He's out. He's going to be out for a while. Two. And you blow the game. They score, I think, what, the Pacers score, like 43 points or something like that in the third. That's what, you know, mm -hmm. kind of broke the game open and, and such. Then they scored, well, it, it totally scored about 70 points in the second half. So, okay, back to my toes for, for Levine, you know, and all this other stuff. Okay, look, it happens. Look, I, look, I think the six, the Celtics blew a big lead and, and lost. So, okay, yeah, it happens. Fine, whatever. It happens in the long season. All right, this, okay. But this Charlotte team, Charlotte is one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're 10 games behind, you know, the Bulls. Really? I mean, LaMelo Ball, you know, he, he's solid. You know, Terry Rozier the third. You know, I've been a fan of this since he, since he was in college. Okay, you know, fine. But mm -hmm. there is no way that they should have won that game. I don't know if it's, you know, disinterested. I don't know if it's because, you know, they, you know, the, the all-star break had come quick enough. I don't know. You got their coaching plays a, a, a role. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. Okay, it happens. But this is this should be the time when you, you win three in a row. You're in an easy part of your schedule. You should you should you should want both and not one if not both these games. It's pure it's pure and simple. You should be right up there like in the in the seventh or the spots. The crazy thing is they're still only about four and a half back. They're like right at the edge right now because you know the Wizards got the tie for it. The Wizards got the ten spot right now, and there's only about, about a three game you know difference between you know seventh and eleventh. So the crazy thing is they're still in it whether people want to admit it or not. And also, too, a lot of stuff has to be. I've seen all the rumors, you know, the, all the Vooch rumors. I saw some reports saying that there's rumblings, whatever that means, that, <laughs> you know, that there's first round. So there's a, there's some teams that will give two first round picks for Caruso. Oh, oh really? That doesn't make any sense. He has, he's had his struggles, too. I don't know. But, uh, all right. Uh, you know, you, you play Orlando tonight. I know you got Boncaro, and you know he's probably one of the best rookies out there right now. I, I mean, I, I just this team is frustrating me because this team should be better than what they are right now. I know Lonzo's been out for a while and such, I know, but you know Zach, you're you're going back to the point where people are questioning whether or not you should have gotten the max contract. Vooch, Vooch, Vooch actually had his worst game 
probably his worst game in a while in that game against the Hornets on Wednesday. So, but yet, yeah, I mean, this, this team is very frustrating. And I, I, the word, the word thing is they're still in the hunt for a playoff berth. I know some people don't like that, but look, the, <laughs> the standings, the numbers don't lie. So I'm sorry if that, that's not, you know, good enough for some of y'all. All right, one. Now, back to Bulls Twitter. You, some of y'all didn't say a freaking word during that three-game winning streak. But now they've lost two in a row. Everybody's saying, blow the team up. You know, trade everybody. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, some of y'all are not going to be able to handle a rebuild, another rebuild. You won't. So it's like, yes, no, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah, you could probably be right up there you know, with, the, with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans where they are right now. But you could also be like, where, look where Orlando is. They've been doing the same thing for the last 20, 15, 20 years. And they're still stuck. So I would implore everybody, Bulls, you need to get it together. One, both on and off the court. Some of you, there's some personal stuff going on. You need to figure it out because the craziest, you're still in it. And all you so-called Bulls fans, you better check yourself because you talk, all y'all talk about, oh, blow the team up, get rid of everybody. Okay, you're not going to be able to handle another rebuild. You're not, some of you. Some of you will. Some of you are probably very patient and, very, and diehards. I'll give some of y'all that. But some of you won't. That's all I got to say. You're listening to Second City Sports on the hashtag Football Friday edition right here on Sports on Chicago. We're live and in living color. I'm Sid Deslakina. As we always say, we have very definite opinions and we bring that heat as we always do. Lakina, as we discuss the Bulls in the NBA at large. Lakina, I know you'll agree with me on this. Uh, the worst place to be uh, to be sitting in in professional sports, especially in the NBA, is in mediocrity. Uh, we know what the Bulls did last year, uh, going back to the playoffs with 46 wins, even though they had a terrible second half, mostly uh, due to injuries. But this year, it, it's no excuse. And you're stuck, like you say, you're stuck in purgatory hell. And the Bulls cannot blame anybody but themselves. I still are a big a big fan of Arturis Karnaschovas and GM Mark Eversley, but I know, I'm sure, I know they didn't dream of, of a scenario like this. You're, you're, yeah. too, you're too good to tank. You're not going to get that number one pick, so that's not happening. I do agree with you on that. But, you, but you're not good enough to – even if this team goes on a, a 10 – wins 10 out of the next 12 or 13 games, uh, you're stuck in the middle of the Eastern Conference at, at best. Uh, the way they've been playing at, at this point of the season, uh, they'll be a, a great improvement given the way this team has been playing. But – uh, being stuck in mediocrity is just not where you want to be, especially in, in the NBA. You have to have a clear vision. You have to have a, a, a great plan moving forward. Shout out to our guy, Lamont Scott, who I just posted up the comment from um, Sports on Chicago's Facebook page. The Bulls just might need a new coach. Uh, Billy Donovan just got that extension over the summer. It wasn't announced till a couple of months into the season. I'm still scratching my head why the Bulls waited till um, the season gets started to announce the extension. Uh, well, how, why did they do that? I don't know, but that's a whole nother issue, but it, it looks like, uh, we're going to be stuck with this team, uh, at least through the end of the, uh, uh, the season, this coming summer is going to tell a whole lot of stuff about the Chicago Bulls and where this franchise is headed. I know Vucevic is due for a contract extension this summer. He's a free agent. I know DeMar DeRosa will be a free agent next summer. So, uh, as, as we said before, Lakina. One, or perhaps it may be a possibility now that both those guys will not be here in the next couple of years. That's a very strong possibility. You might have to see some sort of a halfway rebuild anyway, but we'll see what happens when we cross that bridge. But right now, Bulls fans, this has uh, last year's Chicago White Sox vibes. Uh, you're going to have to be stuck 
while watching this to see how this plays out. Well, in closing here, because like I said, we, we got other stuff we need to talk about because I want to you know get into some of the other stuff going on in the NBA and including the All-Star stuff. But look, in closing here, look, I'll just say this. I mean, look, we'll have to wait to see what happens. I mean, look, it could, if Vuj gets traded, you know, by, by the end of the season, oh, okay, you know, it's going to be tough because I think he's been one of the reasons why this team's still staying afloat. Mm-hmm. Look, th- look, this team was, the, 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 you know, about this time last year, this team was a one seed. This team was a one seed and probably had the, probably one of the best records in the NBA. But then, you know, guys started getting COVID. Lazo got hurt. Other injuries started happening. So, like, this, this team is just, you know, has, ha- has, had a, uh, has had bad luck. And I think, I don't, I, I've heard the White Sox comparison. I think, I, I, I'm sure they're, I think they're a little bit better than the White Sox last year. But, you know, that's a whole different scenario. But, uh, I, I, look, I just, like, look, I, don't, I think people just need to kind of just take a break. Take a step back and just see. Let, let's just see what happens to you know, right into the All Star break. Everything else, they we'll just have to wait and see how, how all this unfolds. Listen to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown, with you. We're gonna get off the Bulls first, uh, you know, for the rest <laughs> of the hour because like I, I I can't take any more. So we're gonna talk about some of the good stuff that happened in the NBA. You know, because we got a couple more minutes before we go to break here. Of course, we always go backwards. We'll go to Thursdays. Uh, matchups here, and despite Luca getting banged up with the ankle uh, sprain, which you know, thankfully it's not serious, you know, he's day to day. But the Mavs mm-hmm. did beat the Suns 99 95. Spencer Dinwiddie had 36 points leading the way for uh, the Mavs. And and look, we'll see how long this lasts. I mean, they're saying that you know, they said it's not serious. I'm talking about Luca's uh, ankle mm-hmm. injury, but you know, Dinwiddie stepped up with 36 points, which was a, a, a season high for him. Look, I, I think. We're going to see how the, what the Mavs are made of because for a while, we'll have to. I mean, we've been saying that people need to step up to help out uh, Luca. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll see if they can be consistent, especially if Luca is going to going to be kind of like day to day. He might have to take some games off and such. Yeah, as we said before, who's going to be that second banana to Luka Doncic? Tim Hardaway Jr. stepped up big last night with eleven big points, including a couple of big baskets in that fourth quarter. Uh, um, Devontae Finney Smith, he had 18. He was the second leader scorer on on the on the Mavericks team on the score sheet last night. And also, too, like you said, Spencer did win a one-time Chicago Bull, by the way. Uh, uh he led he led the Mavericks for 36. On the flip side for Phoenix, I know Cam Johnson tried to do his thing. He mm-hmm. he had 22 points. Mikael Bridges, I know he had that three that I saw he hit and he uh, he, uh, how dare he point at the Mavericks bench? Uh, I know he was trying to get his teammates going. I know Chris Paul had to tell him, like you know, sell it down. We uh, we still got a long way to go to get back in this ball game. Uh, they uh, the Phoenix did get back in, but it was too little, too late. It was a hot shooting of you know, the Dallas Mavericks that won the game for them. Uh, on the flip side for Phoenix, uh, they as we said before, they missed Devin Booker. They need him back. They need him back uh, badly. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul at his age, uh, he he. He can still play, but he's not what he once was because of injuries and his age. So he missed some games earlier part in the season. So and DeAndre Aiden, I know there's been some problems with him and the coach over the summer, especially given what happened uh, in Game Seven against this team last year. But something's going on with him. I, I uh, other than other than what happened this offseason, I just cannot put my finger on it. Sort of a strange thing is going on that over there in Phoenix. Real quick before we go to break, uh, the Knicks come back and beat the Celtics in overtime, 121-17. 37 points for Julius Randle. He's averaged about like 35, 36 points in his last five games. Yeah, the last five games. So a nice win for the Knicks after 
you know, they were up early and, you know, the Celtics did come back, you know, and tie the game going mm-hmm. to overtime, but they outscored, I think, you know, Randall, I think outscored, I think like had six of those 10 points that, this, uh, that the Knicks scored in overtime to beat the Celtics. So a nice win for uh, the Knicks. Yeah, and also, too, you had Emmanuel quickly with 17 big points off the Knicks bench. That was key as well. Jalen Brunson, I think he may be an all-star. He's a borderline all-star this year for the Knicks. He had 29 points as well. So uh, with Julius Randle in the way, uh, who else was going to step up for the Knicks? Uh, It was Emmanuel quickly and Jalen Brunson last night. Also, too, R.J. Barrett, who I think has had a nice season, he contributed 19 points as well, also grabbing four rebounds. So the Knicks are starting to play some good team basketball. Uh, I'm not saying give Coach Tibbs the coach of the year, but uh, th- this team is uh, playing better than I thought they were going to play. They're now four games over 500 at 27 and 23. Send right in the middle of that Eastern Conference, they sure as look at a whole lot of hell better than the Bulls. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see because we saw what happened last year, too. They, they kind of fell yeah. back to her, so we'll see what happens yeah. there. Look, maybe having Brunson will make a big difference. Now, real quick before we go to break, the Nets are upset by uh, the Pistons, 131-22. Sadiq Bay had 25 points, which is a, a career high for him. And they had eight players in double figures, including all five stars for the Pistons. This is despite uh, 40 points from Kyrie. Uh, ben, Sim- ben Simmons, you wonder who, how much he scored? The big goose egg. He had zero points. He was 0 for 3 and didn't even bother. 0 for 3 from the, fi- uh, from the field and didn't even bother attempting the 3. So uh, probably there's your reason why the, uh, the Nets lost. Yeah, but give Nicholas Claxton credit. He was the second leader scorer in the Nets. He had 27 points and 13 rebounds. He's one of the, their big young guys. He's very active inside. And so that uh, he, he's he was the only one, in my opinion, decided to step up last night as outside of Kyrie. But uh, take a look at the bench besides uh, uh, Sumner scoring 24 points. You really didn't get that much contribution from the bench. T.J. Warren only had two points. Uh, uh, that's not going to get it done. And the rest of your starting five really didn't do anything outside of Claxton and, and in Irving, of course, uh, this is all due to the injury of Kevin Durant. But credit to the Detroit Pistons, there's no pressure on them. They're not expected to go anywhere. Uh, they could pray, play free and loose, and that's what happened last night. They took advantage of Brooklyn's uh, mis- miscues. Zero for Ben Simmons. Uh, still, you know, guys, I roll. The rest, we'll recap the rest of the weekend in the NBA. Also, too, some college hoops scores, and we remember, and we remember one of the voices of college hoops as he passed away late last night. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Second City Sports on Sports Social Chicago. More hoops, hoops talk coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? 
I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things, none of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome back to Second City Sports and the Hashtag Football Friday Edition. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan's going to begin the IG. We have less than 90 minutes left of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. You have any questions or comments for us regarding the Bulls or the NBA at large? You can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Continuing our NBA discussion, one more again, one of the review from last night, Lakina, before we get to the uh, best and worst from the rest of the week in the NBA. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, it was, it was nice to see them get back on track against a lesser opponent in the San Antonio Spurs. They beat the Spurs by 38, 138 to 100. Paul George laid all scores with 35 points, while Kawhi Leonard had his best game of the season, scoring 27 points and uh, to go along with seven assists. Lakina, as I said before, once this Clippers team is start, finally starting to get healthy, uh, they could beat anybody in the Western Conference. Uh, we, we all know that spots uh, two through six, two through seven is a big log jam right now uh, due to a lot of injuries from these other various teams. But the, the Clippers on the outside look again. It looks like they're trying to keep uh, creep their way up. I know they're three games over 500 right now. But hopefully if their core guys, i.e. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, can stay healthy, this team can go far. 
Yeah, hopefully with as we get closer and closer to the break, you will know, we'll see Leonard and PG play more consistent. Also, too, they have some stuff on the bench. You know, they I know Nolan Powell had some points on the bench, like fifteen, and uh, mm-hmm. Robert Covington had thirteen. They were kicking in there, so a lot of their bench guys, you know, played a lot of factors here too. So we'll see. Look, I, we'll see if they could if if everyone can stay healthy and you know Kawhi and PG can play consistency. You know, they could get right back up there near, if not at the top spot. Now going into Wednesday's games, uh, Dame had sixty points. And they apparently they needed two as uh Portland you know, pulled away from Utah 134 or 124. That was a I that was a crazy game in of itself. Uh, I watched a little bit of it on the computer here. And uh it's his third, I'll talk about uh Dave, his third career 50-point game against the Jazz. That's the most by any player in history, of course, you know, after Kobe. Um it actually it's it's his 14th career 50 plus point game. He also tied LeBron and uh Rick Barry. I'm talking about uh uh, Dame uh, for the six most all time doing that. He also passed Vince Carter for the six most six most three point uh three points made in NBA history. So uh, a lot a lot to do there. Thankfully, they ended up winning that game. I'm talking about the Trailblazers. Yeah, Daniel Lillard is one of the best uh, uh, point guards in the league when healthy. I know that Anthony Simons, uh, their third year guard, is having a nice year. I know they have Jeremy Grant there as well. It, it would be nice to see him in the Bulls uniform, but that's all in that conversation. But uh, just like we talk about with the Dallas Mavericks, who's going to be that third guy to step up to help, help Damian Lillard? Anthony Simons has stepped up this year, as I mentioned, to take on the challenge to be that Robin uh, to Damian mm-hmm. Lillard's Batman. But who's going to be that third scorer for Portland? Yeah, absolutely, and that's going to be the thing. Now, of course, you know, Dave made nine three-pointers, which I said ties uh, uh, an NBA record there in one game. Now, probably the strangest game probably of this week was the Warriors-Grizzlies uh, game. Uh, Steph Curry, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah, Steph got ejected for, uh, I, I guess, Jordan Poole made a, a like a bad shot or something, and I guess, you know, he Steph was yelling at him, and I guess the ref didn't like that. I guess he said some swear words, and I guess he kicked him out. Don't know how why that happened, but – I digress, but Poole did redeem himself, got the go-ahead uh, jumper uh, with about, I think, like a half a second, maybe like not even a half a second left, and they were able to uh, pull off that win. Yeah, the Graces were up big, uh, but uh, the Warriors have uh, found their strength in terms of uh, playing defense and hot shooting. Klay Thompson uh, hit, hit the original go-ahead bucket with around 10 seconds left before I forgot who was a big guy. Uh, Brendan Clark tied it with that Clark. dunk. Nice pass from uh, John Moran. But mm-hmm. the Grizzlies, for some reason, uh, when they play Golden State, uh, I'm not going to, it's not, it's Oracle, not Oracle, but uh, at the Chase, Chase Center now. Chase they, Center. It's a Chase yeah, Center now. Uh, the, they, they run into a bus off for some reason. We we talked about it before, like, you know, when they were there on Christmas Day. So when Steph was out, they got blown out of the building mm-hmm. on Wednesday. They had a big lead. They just couldn't sustain it. Uh, uh, Memphis has to get it together. We know they're one of the top teams in the Western Conference. They're still a young team, but you got to finish games down the stretch. You got to execute better. And Memphis failed at that on Wednesday. Yeah, I'll say if they want to get to that next level, you need to you know get it going there. So uh, you know we'll, we'll see. I mean, this has been a big problem for the Grizzlies against the Warriors for some reason. Uh, the T Wolves beat the Pelicans 111-102. Anthony Edwards led the way with thirty-seven for the T Wolves. Uh, Milwaukee beat Denver uh, 107-99. Giannis had 33 points leading the way there. Now, Denver Denver's sort of interesting because they're the number one seed as of this moment as we're, we're recording this in the West. And they were, you know, remember Jokic didn't play. 
Uh, well, actually, we yeah, Jokic didn't play, so I think they were able to take advantage of that. But you know, they they they, they had their chance to talk about the the Nuggets. Did you know, Aaron Gordon had twenty six points leading the mm-hmm. way there, but didn't. You know, I know Murray didn't play either, so there was some, you know, definitely uh, without some of their top guys. So I think it's kind of sort of, you know, make a big, you know, synopsis of this game when Nuggets weren't at at full strength. Yeah, it looks like Milwaukee's starting to get into form, hopefully get Chris Mills back, playing more minutes whenever he comes back from his injuries. Uh, You had other uh, supporting role players stepping up for Milwaukee so far this year with Grayson Allen. I know he's hating here in Chicago, but uh, that's another issue. But Giannis, yeah, he's close to damn near unstoppable and he's going to continue to do that to now to the day that he, that he retires but as far as the whole team is concerned uh they're just rounding into form and you have to consider them to be a, a title contender come playoff time they're up there with boston and in philly who's quietly going uh, making his way back up to the top of the uh, of the pack of the conference so it, it's going to be interesting how milwaukee finishes this season Speaking of Philadelphia, they got a nice win against uh, the Nets, 137-133. Tyrese Maxey had 27 points leading the way for them. And uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, that, that they led the way there with Harden. Harden, you know, kick, you know kicked in. Uh, let's see here if my computer will come out. He had 23 points up top of Harden. Uh, uh, you know, and B had 26 and 10 boards. So, you know, a nice win for them. They actually end up being a pretty close game, you know, between these two. So mm-hmm. pretty interesting, you know, how how it kind of ended. But yeah, nice win for the Sixers. Yeah, the Sixers are taking advantage of uh, Brooklyn's um, uh, injuries and mishaps, and, and that's what good teams do. You take an advantage of a weakness of your opponent, and you, you pound it home. Uh, Joel Embiid is having a nice year. We'll get to his all-star status, dot, 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 question mark in just a moment. But he's having a nice year. Like you said, James Harden, he's not the same player that he once was a few years ago. But if you uh, if you still get a, a nice contribution from, from him, that's a bonus. But some of the other guys have been stepping up, as you mentioned, Tyrese uh, um, uh, Maxi, and some of the other key guys coming off the benches. So it, and. Philadelphia, they just need to play team ball every single night who, uh, and to continue to help out and beat. And really test is really over the last several seasons is playoff time. What are you going to do when times get tough? That's what I'm mm-hmm. waiting for to see from this Philadelphia squad. Yeah, hopefully they can stay healthy too and kind of maybe yeah. get back to near, you know, right there. Now going into Tuesday's games, uh, Miami, our girl, we got to get our girl Alana Tucker back on the show because she was very happy about this win against the, Celt- against the Celtics, 98-95. <laughs> uh, Bam Alibio had 30 points leading the way for them. And it's sort of interesting that, you know, the, the, the Heat can kind of sort of like, you may have some to say on who gets a, you know, that top seed. They're like, they're moving right up very five. quietly. We tell yeah. you guys this the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no one, yeah, no one's really been paying attention to them. And I think if you're uh, the Heat, you probably prefer it that way. But uh, a nice win by the Heat against the Celtics. Yeah, as we said before, the, uh, the Heat are led by Jimmy Butler and Bam Montebayo offensively. But who's going to step up? Tyler Hero. And Gabe Vincent, who else is going to uh, step up uh, in those roles to help out scoring wise? But we all know that the, the uh, team ideal, identity uh, of this team is defense. And Eric Sprosra has had his blueprint all over the squad for the last several seasons. So it's not a mistake that this team is 27 and 22 right now. And they've been getting it done at the defensive end. So well, we'll see see how long this lasts. Like you said, they'll have, definitely have to say who's going to uh, get that top spot in the East. Uh, I wouldn't ignore Miami. Yeah, and they shouldn't be ignored either. Uh, the Clippers beat 
the Lakers 133-115. That's their 10th straight win against the Lakers. But LeBron had 46, and so now he's got 40 points against all 30 NBA teams. Yay for LeBron. So the Clippers were actually the only team that he, not, he did not score 40 points against. So he he, he uh, ended up uh, doing 46 and losing effort. So now he's now he's got all now he's got all there. So you know he can you know feel better about that even though they did lose. But uh uh let's see here are the wizards upset uh edged out the the mouse 127 126 kyle kuzma had 30 points see bulls fans now you don't have to feel so bad you know that they they feel the maps uh so uh you know there you go but uh yeah that's despite uh 41 from lucas so on tuesday but uh yeah sort of a nice win by the wizards that's they're why they're 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 right there with the bulls for that last uh playoff uh playing spots You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. I'm Sid Deslakina as we discuss the NBA at large. We'll have college basketball talk coming up here in a few minutes. Lakina, uh, before we get to the All-Star starters uh, results, I want to ask you because uh, about uh, this regarding the Denver-Milwaukee game from Wednesday. You mentioned Jokic didn't play, and I believe Jamal mm-hmm. Murray didn't Murray play. Murray didn't play either. Well, excuse me? Murray didn't play either. Murray, yeah, Murray didn't play. And – uh, there was both sitting due to rest. I know this is the second game that Nikolai Jokic has missed this week. And there's been a whole lot of questions uh, been brought up this week throughout the NBA Twitter space and on national sports talk radio shows about reducing the regular season from 82 to 65 games. And what can commissioner uh, NBA commissioner Adam Silver do to uh, discourage teams from, from, Send their guys uh, uh, just to quote unquote rest, load management, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't like it either. I know there's uh, new ways to do some mm-hmm. things, but uh, just uh, guys just missing random games just because uh, that's bad for your product. I know the NBA is the second most popular sport in the United States, but if you're gonna have guys uh, missing games just because, uh, that that's not good for the product, and the, and the fans will turn on you uh, in, in a heartbeat. It hasn't happened yet, but it's just that the value of the regular season uh, is uh, the value of the regular season is not there for many of these teams anymore. And uh, me personally. I don't like it. I know we come from the era of the golden age of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that mm-hmm. you saw many of your superstars play 82 games or damn near close to it. We don't see, see that anymore, and I'm very disappointed by that. Yeah, we'll talk about the the all-star stuff when we talk to our girl Christine coming up because I really mm-hmm. want to get into college hoops after this uh, little this point. But, uh, I mean, look, I think people need to remember, too, that it's not like how it was back then. A lot of these guys play uh, – your ball for their country. I know, I know your, your Jokic plays for his home country. So, mm-hmm. you know, look, Euro ball and all those things. I mean, look, you're going to, and look, it's not a wear and tear on these guys like it used to be. So I don't blame guys. Yeah, it sucks that you, 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 you buy tickets, you know, to, you know, to watch the Nuggets and you, you, you can't, you know, see Jokic or Murray. And sometimes when Steph takes games off, when LeBron takes games off, I, I get it, you know. But I think, look, there's a lot of more wear and tear, tear on these guys like it, like it used to be. So it's not like how it was back in the day where these guys are not playing, um, you know, some league and, you know, Euro ball for the rest of the countries and, you know, FIFA and all FIFA and all these other things. So I think people need to kind of just give them a break. Now, could you shorten the season? Sure. But you better believe you better tell the, your your uh, your network rights holders that. You, know, you better give us something else to kind of you know, combat this. So I get that folks are upset about it. But I, I think for me, it's just like. It is what it is. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, freak out over. Okay, you guys want if they want to take a rest, you'll know, fine, whatever. You know, for them, I think for them, you know, for the longevity, especially since the playoffs are so long now, 
I don't have a problem with it. So it is what it is. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. I'm Sid Deslikina. Let's now transition over to college basketball. And let's start out locally as the final line. I improved that record to 14-6 after a big win on Tuesday night, defeating the Ohio State Buckeyes 69-60 down there in Southern Illinois, Champaign to be exact. Uh, Brian Sensabal uh, led the Ohio State Buckeyes with 14 points. Terrence Shannon for the Illini had 17 points. Cortland Hawkins uh, Coleman Hawkins, I should say, uh, was a, a second leader score for the Illini with the 11 points. It was nice to see Illinois get back on track. They had to fight their way out of it, but they came through big down the stretch at the end. Yeah, see, the good Illini team showed up uh, today, uh, that, that night against Ohio State. I mean, plus they were also hitting their threes, too. I think that's usually sort of yes. like the thing to kind of be a testament to them. I've, I've seen that their losses, they didn't just shoot their – they didn't hit their threes. They did hit shoot their threes against Ohio State, so – you know, I, I think it's you know pretty you know cool again. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, you still got to face Purdue. I mean, Purdue got a, a nice win against Michigan, seventy five seventy. Zach Eddy had nineteen points leading the way for uh, Purdue. Hunter Dickinson had twenty one for uh, in a losing effort from Michigan. You know, so people in Michigan are kind of wondering that is Juwan Howard should be he be on the hot seat, but. You know, again, we'll just have to wait and see there. We'll see what kind of happens with that. Uh, Arizona beat Wazoo 63 mm-hmm. 58. Uh, USC avenged their early loss to UCLA. They dominated those second half. They think they, I saw this game, they outscored the, the Brewers like five, 15 to like seven or something like that. As yeah. SD, yeah, SC beat UCLA 77 64. Uh, Boogie Ellis had 31 points. He actually outscored, uh, the, he actually outscored the uh, the Brewers in the second half. He had more points than <laughs> he had like about twenty one in, in the second half. But uh, yeah, like thirty, like twenty eight. Those points were in the second half. But uh, yeah, nice win for uh, the Trojans. Nice signature win for them. This is what they needed too, as we get into uh, uh, bubble teams and such. And uh, FAU stays undefeated in conference. USA <laughs> they needed overtime, but they you know, well, it was a close one, but. It wasn't really a close one, though. They pulled away from uh, Middle Tennessee in the second half. Uh, they're now 10-0 in Conference USA. They're 21 overall, 85-67 the final there. Yeah, going back to Monday's action uh, for Big 12, Big Monday from ESPN. Uh, number 17, Baylor uh, defeated Kansas, uh, handed them their third straight mm-hmm. loss, 75-69. Jalen Bridges for uh, the Baylor Bears, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals. Jalen Wilson had 23 for Kansas, but I watched that majority of the, that game, Lakina. You know, Kansas had another slow start. They came back and Actually, I think took the lead at one point early yeah. in that second half, but uh, Baylor got scrappy, scored inside, and Kansas didn't know what to do. Lakina, as we talked about with the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> and the Portland Trail Blazers mm-hmm. in the NBA, who's going to be that second banana to have out Jalen Wilson? Because he's one of the top players in the country, and you can't depend on him to bail you out all the time. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's something Kansas going to have to figure out. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think you know, they're going through kind of like a rough part of their schedule. Look, the Big 12 is very tough. There are no easy uh, wins in the Big 12, so it's going to be mm-hmm. very interesting to see if you – know, I think they can get, it, get together. I think they can, so, you know, but we'll have to see what happens. I'm sure they'll they'll figure it out too, but a nice win uh, for Baylor. And I actually watched that game. It was actually a great uh, game. And Northern Illinois now, we don't, we don't talk about Northern Illinois hoops much anymore because they haven't really mm-hmm. been – probably in like since the late 90s, but they got a nice win against one of the top teams in the MAC, Kent State. Uh, 86-76, so they uh, broke a 10-game winning streak uh, with uh, Kent State, so you know, it was a nice win for the Huskies. You kind of put that notch on their belt there. And also, Imani Bates, if you guys remember the name, we talked to our, our buddy uh, Cassie Carlson from uh, 
Fox Sports, uh, Fox Chicago, I should say, mm-hmm. and who covered this, who covered him when he was in Me- in Memphis, when she was in Memphis. But uh, yeah, he outscored uh, Toledo, but unfortunately, oh, they lost. Eastern Mich- his Eastern Michigan uh, uh, did, but uh, but a nice showing by him. Um, yeah, going back to Thursday, I'm talking about yesterday's uh, games. Mm-hmm. It'll be like I said, it'll be interesting to see if you know some of these. I, I kind of feel like we're going to get to the point when this season where we're going to be seeing a lot of. You know, maybe some you know bubble team is getting ready to go and such. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Michigan State got a, a big win against Iowa. Well, maybe maybe Tom Izzo. You know, now that his guys are healthy, they're starting to kind of figure things out a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. one viral moment that came out from uh, it actually involved Loyola. They're now remember they're on they're now in the A10. They played Duquesne. Some guy who says he's from Uber Eats, you know, was delivering something. <laughs> I know you're just this strolling thing. all down the sideline, like yeah, dude, just, yeah. the uh, the balls in play. Get your ass off the. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and apparently, I guess it was it was, it was also a prank on social media. So I'm like, really, dude? Yeah. I mean, this is like, I love that we always say, look, it wasn't us. We didn't do that. We don't do that kind of stuff. So not no college campuses anyway. So yeah, that was that whole yeah. thing was like very weird. But uh, yeah. yeah, just strolling like he's casually walking through Grand yeah. Park, you know, like like you know, get the game, the balls in play. Get your ass off the court. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that, that was a whole thing yeah. it was just silly, but uh, yeah, just yeah. uh, no, go ahead, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, possible bubble teams, the Northwestern Wildcats, uh, they played their nice makeup game Wisconsin, on Monday yeah. against Wisconsin. Uh, beat them in Evanston, 63-66. Now the really Wildcats good. are 13-5 and five on the year. Uh, is it time to start taking them seriously, too? You know, they got a couple of tough games coming up this weekend, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little bit they, – they still need kind of a, another big signature win. So, I, you know, if they beat Wisconsin, can kind of help that, but – yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see if they can kind of you know get it get it going and such. But yeah, it, it's it's sort of strange how that uh that transpired. That was just a strange game, you know, all around. Now K State, uh, Iowa State beat K State. They're now in the they're now in first place by themselves in the Big Twelve. A seventy six. Remember what I said about uh the Big Twelve? I mean, it's kind of a log jam there. Uh, mm-hmm. Texas, you know, Texas and TCU had some uh big wins. Clemson had a uh, had a nice win division. They lost some last year against Georgia Tech. So uh, yeah, some very interesting ways. Southern Illinois are Southern Illinois Salukis. You know they uh, pulled away from Murray State, sixty-eight, sixty-four. So we'll see if they can kind of get it going in the Missouri Valley. But uh, that'll be very interesting. So uh, yeah, so a good showing there. Now going into this weekend's games um, uh, tonight on uh, CBS Sports Network, New Mexico trying to avenge that early week loss, which shouldn't have been a loss. But it's a whole different. Uh, we don't have time to talk about that. Uh, they host Air Force. I'm sure they're going to want to bounce back from that loss to Nevada. Um, tomorrow's um matchup. You got Boston College of Virginia on uh ACC Network. You got Auburn at West Virginia. That's not a, that's not going to be an easy place to play in, down there in Morgantown. Uh, Tipple beats uh T- Tipple meets UCF. Number thirteen Xavier meets Creighton. That's eleven fifteen on CBS. Minnesota in Northwestern on Big Ten, Big Ten Network, Network tomorrow morning at eleven o'clock. Alabama and uh, Oklahoma. No, this is not a typo. This is the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Don't, know why, don't ask why they're doing this in the middle of the season, folks. Don't ask. But uh, that'll be at 1 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, that should be a fun one. Iowa State and the, the Mike Berman, the Pia Mike Bermans, as we call them. Uh, <laughs> that should be a fun one on ESPN2, uh, Iowa State and Mizzou. Marquette meets DePaul at FS1 at 1 o'clock. 
Yeah, two o'clock on Fox TV. Yes, the big Fox uh, television Mm -hmm. network. Uh, Illinois will travel to Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin 12 and 7, as I mentioned, they lost to Northwestern on the road earlier this week. Illinois 14 and 6. They beat Ohio State on Tuesday. Big game for both teams, but I think it's a bigger game for Wisconsin. Remember, Illinois beat Mm -hmm. them early in the season. Yes, it is. So they're, they're, they're going to want to try to avenge that loss. Mm-hmm. Cincy and Cincy number three, Houston at CBS at one fifteen. I think our base real D's will have the call for that one, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken on that one, but uh, TCU and uh, Mississippi State three o'clock on ESPN two. Arkansas and Baylor at three o'clock. Uh, let's see, Hofstra and Charleston there in the American uh, in the American East, and uh, the Charleston hoping to uh, stay in the the course in that conference. Miami beats Pittsburgh. Western Kentucky and uh, number 21, uh, Florida Atlantic and Conference USA, Seton Hall and Butler at 3 o'clock on FS1. Uh, let me see here. You got the, you got the night games, Sid? Uh, the night games in the top 25 will have uh, number 22, St. Mary's visiting BYU. That's on. That should be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, that will be a fun one on ESPN2 at 9 o'clock. We have Kansas and Kentucky at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Ooh. And number 14, Gonzaga visiting Portland at 6 o'clock. Texas and Tennessee, that should be a fun one. A top 10 matchup mm-hmm. on ESPN at 5. Florida and K-State at 5 o'clock as well. So uh, Utah and Oregon, that should be a fun one. The Pac-12, mm-hmm. they're near the, they're the top, they're in the top tier in the Pac-12 right now. And uh, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll actually do the, the Billy Packer remembrance uh, later mm-hmm. on after this break. We'll talk to our buddy uh, Josh Fryman from uh, WGN TV. I know he's a big college hoops fan himself. <laughs> of course, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Province of Villanova at 11 o'clock on, F, on FS1. Uh, Georgia, Georgetown and St. John's at FS1. And uh, the the Detroit Mercy and uh, Youngstown State get to see uh, Antoine Davis to see if he can continue his big scoring uh, record. So, those are college hoops for uh, this weekend coming up. Yeah, stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports, the hashtag Football Friday edition continues with Josh Fryman of WGN TV Sports Chicago and Christine the Queen Manica. I'm Sid Desilkina. You're listening to Sports Old Chicago. my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference.
calling. Few will earn the title. United States Marine. The few, the proud, the Marines. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports, the hashtag Football Friday edition. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan's again the IG. And if you want to hit us up in the comment section, especially for our next guest, you can always uh, go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get the up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can also uh, watch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. Lakina, let's not waste any time. Uh, we were in a different place a couple years ago when we, we last had our the next guest on. Uh, now things are uh, more than back to normal. And uh, Chicago sports is back to uh, uh, the way it's supposed to be um, uh, outside the winning uh, to help us uh, talk about Chicago sports in the NFL at large. Uh, we'll bring in our guy from WGN TV sports, Chicago. He's our guy, Mr. Josh Fryman. Josh, welcome back to the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, Sid. Hey, Lakina. Great to be back with you guys. Yeah. Back to normal, which is, which is fun for us reporters being back in mm -hmm. locker rooms and clubhouses doing our job not just over zoom so it's been a it's been a fun transition back to normal and hopefully it stays that way yeah you can follow josh fryman on twitter at josh underscore fryman once again at josh underscore fryman josh uh we aired out our grievances about the bulls to start off our show they're currently four games on the under 500 and uh, there's rumors around that zeg might be traded that tomorrow or Vooch may be traded. Uh, Billy Donovan starting to get some heat now from certain media and bloggers on social media. You could take uh, however you want on social media. I always say, do you take things as a grain of salt on social media? But uh, what do you, uh, what direction do you think this Bulls team is headed? Because after what I saw last night, the the chemistry is just not there. What do you do at this point? Just being stuck in mediocrity, especially in the NBA, is not a good place to be. I think the Bulls have taken the mantle from the White Sox of most frustrating team in Chicago, one Ryan's <laughs> franchise to another, right? The expectations <laughs> for the White Sox this summer, we know what happened there. The Bulls, look, I don't think anybody thought they were going to win a championship this year, but based on what we saw, especially the first half last year, there was hope coming into this season they can compete maybe for a top four, top six playoff spot. Right now they're fighting just to be a play-in team, and I know you can point to there's no Lonzo ball, and it is a striking difference how this team has played with Lonzo on the floor versus with him out, but – it's a more than 80-game sample at this point, guys. Lonzo last played over a year ago. You can't just bank on ball to come back. And when you have a max player like Zach Levine, when you have an all-star and future Hall of Famer like DeMar DeRozan, another all-star like Nikola Vucevic, you should be a top-six team in the East. I don't know why the chemistry is off. 
It feels like this team shows up when it wants to. It feels like they look on the other side and they say, oh, that team is 10 games under 500. Let's play two quarters and we'll be good. Haven't they learned enough? These losses to the Hornets, the Rockets, the Magic, the Thunder, the Wizards. I can go on the list. You just look at the bottom 10 teams in the NBA. If the Bulls have played them, they've lost, except for basically uh, the Pistons, who they beat in Paris and beat one other time. So it's the only bottom feeder that they haven't had trouble with. So I talked to Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic a week ago about this. He said it's a sign of immaturity, which when you look at this team, it's frustrating to think they're immature with a veteran head coach like Billy Donovan, veterans like DeMar DeRozan. I mentioned the other all-star players. Alex Caruso has been around winning organizations before. So what is missing? What is that void? Why are they underperforming against these poor teams? And, you know, right now there's less than two weeks until the trade deadline, guys. I don't know what the front office is thinking. I don't know what they're going to do because you're kind of stuck in a certain way. Vooch is in the final year of his contract. Do you mm-hmm. trade him? Probably not going to get back anything close to what you traded to Orlando to get the all-star. Do you decide to do that and start to revamp on the fly? Do you say the rest of the season is a wash and you start looking ahead to the future? Do you trade Alex Caruso, who's probably one of your biggest trade pieces? I would doubt they look to try to trade DeMar or, or Zach, just signing him to a max deal. But in the summer, those could be real conversations to have for this front office. The whole thing is baffling, uh, Josh, and I, I, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, it's frustrating. They're only about four games out of the, uh, the, the, the four and a half games out from the, uh, the sixth seed. So I know people are, don't, don't want to hear that, but it kind of feels like, uh, you know what? I, I don't know what else you, what else can you say at this point? Yeah, look, I mean, the bottom half of the East in those six through 12 positions are fluctuating. We've seen Indiana take a tailspin after Tyresa Halliburton went out, and of course the Bulls couldn't hold the 21-point lead against the Pacers on Tuesday. So taking advantage of teams in front of you, whether they have injuries or whether they have, you know, coming off back-to-backs or whatever the circumstances are, the Bulls are letting wins, you know, basically fall through the cracks. And when you look at the end of the season and you're determining whether they're going to be a play-in team or just a playoff team in general, those victories that you should have had during those dog days of January and December and that's where you're going to look and see, wow, that's the most disappointing for this team. But, um, you know, going forward, there's there's a lot of a lot of tough conversations this front office is going to have to have because they went all in. And you credit what AK and Eversley were able to do a couple of years ago to totally revamp this team, right? There's basically no one left from the Pax and Gar Foreman era on this roster besides Zach um and Kobe White I think is it so Mm -hmm. they revamped this team on the fly they gave it a go and they were the number one seed for a first half of the season last year let's not forget that it did work Mm -hmm. ball went out they had injuries to Caruso the chemistry for some reason just couldn't uh fit after that and maybe they just put too much into the stock of having a healthy Lonzo ball because they don't shoot the three ball at all that's a huge concern for this team they don't shoot it well and they don't shoot it with any type of consistency or, um, you know, the last 10 attempts, they've been that way for the last couple of seasons. And that's what the NBA is, guys. We know this watching the game. Teams will routinely put up 40, 50, three-point attempts per game. The Bulls are less than 30 per game. So you can have a high-frequency uh, and efficiency two-point team with DeMar and with Zach at the rim and with Vooch. But when you're trading twos for threes, the math just doesn't add up. One more question about the Bulls before we move on. Uh, Nikolai Vucevic, uh, uh, his usage in the post has been up and down this year. They rarely used him in the post last year. This year, uh, uh, at least through the first month of the season, 
uh, when they use uh, Vucevic in the post, uh, he's been a more effective. And you could tell the Bulls' mm-hmm. offense starting to flow uh, that much more when Zach and Demar has they have the ball. They just stand around for a while. They went away from Vucevic and. Uh, and their offense stagnant, but it looks like they're starting to get back into that now, except for the last couple of games. Talk to us about uh, the usage of Nikolai Vucevic and should they use him more in the post? Because he's one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best passing big men in the league because even if he doesn't have the shot, he usually gives the ball up to the open man, open man, and the Bulls' offense will flow that much better. Well, Sid, you know what's changed the last couple of games? DeMar DeRozan has been back in the lineup. And it just doesn't seem when the three star players are on the floor together that it flows well. Because I agree, when you run the offense through Vooch, whether it's at the high post, whether he is a pick and roll player, he can have the threat from three, right? He's actually shooting very well from behind the three-point line, one of the few Bulls who can put it up and score in bunches from distance. When you have that threat from a stretch five, and that's the that's what the Bulls envisioned when they traded for Vooch, right? He was that type of player mm-hmm. in Orlando. It really changes how this offense looks. But when you have a guy like DeMar DeRozan who shoots the majority of his shots from inside the three-point line, right, is a two-point shooter. And when you have Zach Levine, who is a heavy isolation player, one guy's going to be left out. And it seems to be more often than not, it's Vooch. And yet, when Vooch is out there as a playmaker, we saw it against the Golden State Warriors a couple weeks ago. He was outstanding. And it was without DeMar DeRozan, he was still injured. And Vooch was getting his. It was run through Vooch. The passing, as you mentioned, Sid, he's one of the best uh, best big game, big man passers in the league. And so that's why you wonder here, if those three players just don't seem to fit together, the puzzle for some reason is just not cohesive. Do you have to trade Vooch? Do you look to trade DeMar if you want to bring back Vooch this offseason? So it seems to me that when Vucevic is able to facilitate and when he's a threat from three and it opens up the floor and it spreads things out, the bulls are at their best on offense. And Billy Donovan has to find a way to make that happen more often. Yeah. Let's get to get out of the depressing part for a second, Josh. I want to move on to something else, but uh, (laughs) let's talk some bears. At least these are kind of looking up for them. They got the number one pick. They got a lot of Which is hilarious, right? Go from the the bulls to the depressing, non-depressing three win bears, right? Yeah. Not (laughs) Not depressing. depressing uh, well I'll, I'll say that not as depressing but uh, they got the number one pick of course they got a lot of cap space they got a new president uh kevin warren what do you think they're going to do this offseason yeah they're going to make a lot of moves to get this team better quickly because if you've seen just look at the final four in the nfl this weekend besides the chiefs the Bengals two years ago had four wins the eagles two years ago had four wins the san francisco 49ers two years ago had six wins, right? There were some injuries and there's some circumstances there, but those teams all had top 10 picks just two years ago, all right? It doesn't take long to turn around a team in the NFL, especially when you have a quarterback under a rookie contract. That is the biggest blessing the Bears have because they believe they found their quarterback in Justin Fields. And we can get into Fields more if you want, but if you go with Justin Fields this offseason, you have $120 million to spend. You have the number one draft pick. You have so many options if you're the Bears front office and Ryan Poles. And we don't know too much about Poles yet, but based on the trade deadline, we know he's aggressive. We know he's going to go get a weapon for Justin Fields, even though you don't love the Chase Claypool trade right now. Maybe that changes if Claypool gets more of an offseason with Fields and becomes a true number two, number three wide receiver. But he showed that he's going to be aggressive to get guys to help Justin. He didn't do that in the offseason because he felt like he had so many other holes to fill. And there's still that to fill right now, but you got offensive line concerns. You have wide receiver concerns. You have a running back who is a free agent in David Montgomery, and you have a ton of defensive holes right now. 
But the good thing about the Bears right now is they control the offseason. Everything runs through Chicago because they're going to take trade calls on the number one pick. They're going to take trade calls on disgruntled wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins. If Tom Brady leaves Tampa Bay, you got maybe Mike Evans, maybe Chris Godwin, DJ Moore in Carolina. What happens with him? Uh, you can go on and on the list. T. Higgins, is he going to get paid by Cincinnati? If not, do they look to trade him? So there's a lot of creativity at Ryan Pohl's disposal. And it doesn't mean the Bears are going to go from three wins to 10 wins next year, but they're going to be competitive in an NFC North, guys, that quietly is very up for grabs. Aaron Rodgers could be leaving Green Bay. They were disappointing as well. Minnesota was a fluky first place team. Detroit was good and maybe they're on the rise, but if you feel like they're your biggest competition going forward, why can't the Bears be a surprise team as soon as next season if they hit this offseason? We're hanging out with our good buddy Josh Fryman from WGN TV Sports in Chicago, right here on Second City Sports, the Friday edition. Sid Lakina hanging out with you, real live in Living Color on Sports on Chicago. Staying with the Bears, Josh, we saw an improvement from um, from Justin Fields from the beginning of the season until uh, the end of the season, and uh, I, minus the offensive line play, I, I I think that he's the his franchise quarterback going forward. I think he's more of a uh, uh, of a passer than he is running the football. He had to run the football more than he had to. I know after the Detroit game here in Chicago, he said he was tired of running. I know he didn't want to throw his teammates under the bus, but he was tired of running because of bad pass protection that he has in front of him on the offensive line. But what else do you think he needs to improve on uh, heading towards next year? We all agree that he needs more talent around him, but what else in your mind you think he needs to improve on heading to 2023? Sure. Yeah, and, and look, if you look back at who he was at Ohio State, he wasn't a running quarterback. He could use mm-hmm. his legs. He's got 4-4 speed. He's going to use his legs. But they weren't running, you know, um, QB options or um, RPOs with Justin. They weren't letting him run the ball 10, 12, 14 times a year, uh, a game, excuse me. The Bears changed their offense right after the mini buy against Washington, and it worked incredibly. But I think the the offensive scheme changed because they looked in the mirror and they said, what else do we have to lose? There's nothing else we can do offensively unless we get Justin out of the pocket and start mm-hmm. utilizing him as an RPO quarterback. So it kind of changed the way that Justin has played over his career. But I think, and if you listen to Justin, he wants to be more of a pocket passer, and he has the arm strength to do so. I think when you look at what he needs to improve on, it's going and, and reading the field a little bit faster, right? Trusting his instincts when he sees an open player in the NFL. It's different from an open guy at Ohio State. He doesn't have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson running for him anymore, right? And so he's got to see the field a little bit quicker, read off, read defenses a little bit faster, process faster, and get the ball out sooner. And he'll maybe throw a couple more interceptions with that. That happens if he's going to try to thread the needle a little bit more. But I think you take that for his aggressiveness. And you want to see him. And look, he's only a second-year quarterback. He's been injured the last two seasons, so he hasn't even had two full seasons under his belt. So when you're working with Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet is your top three options, and then no, no Mooney for the second half of the year, a banged up Cole, uh, excuse me, banged up uh, Chase Claypool, and you had what Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown as your number one, <laughs> number two wide receivers, right? Those thin margins yeah. get even thinner in terms of the open wide receivers, and so um, you want to see him get a little bit more aggressive in terms of those reads and finding those windows that are open in the NFL, not open in college. But yeah, I don't think we're going to see Justin run it double digit times per game next year. That's not what the Bears, I think, ideally want to do. 
thank you, thank you. That would be that would be like my our buddy Christine Mack is going to be joining us in a little bit. Yeah, I think we feel the same way that yeah, she'll be happy and I am too. Happy you said that, Josh. Let's talk. Let's let's go to the, uh, the diamond and talk some baseball. I'll I'll start with the Cubs first. Do you think they're kind of starting to maybe they may contend? Maybe maybe not necessarily for the central, but maybe for the wild card spot. Of course, you got. You know, Jameson Talon, you know, Trey Mancini, Dansby Swanson, uh, Cody Bellinger to a minor league deal. What, what, do, you, what do you think? What do you think the mindset for the Cubs is this coming season? Well, they've certainly raised their floor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they spent $300 million in contracts this offseason. That's top five in Major League Baseball. So you can't look at the Ricketts and say, you know, cheap anymore. You can't point poor uh, at the ownership group the way they cried uh, that they were you know, losing billions or whatever it was, right? Uh, in biblical losses. Yes, the biblical losses, exactly. So the last two seasons they've spent, say, Suzuki and Marcus Stroman, uh, in the last offseason, this this offseason, you mentioned some of the big names. And so they have raised the floor of a team that now I think you have to expect this team to be competitive all season long. You're not expecting them to go in the trade deadline and look to be sellers like they have the last two offseasons. I would love to, to get them. And Ian have to agree to a long-term contract because you still need some of these young players that are at the major league level to be here for the long run, right? Maybe it's Nico Horner signs an extension, um, but keep some of this homegrown talent on this major league roster because yeah, they signed Dansby and he's the future, but we don't know yet what he's going to be here as the focal point of a team. He was a auxiliary piece in Atlanta for a world series championship team, a very good defensive shortstop, a guy who came into his own, uh, from the offensive uh, power standpoint later in his career as a former number one overall pick. Does that power stay in Chicago? Do the strikeouts come down a little bit? Does he handle the pressure of being a $170-plus million player? Those questions still need to be answered. Cody Bellinger, does he revert back to being the MVP type of player he was in L.A. three years ago prior to the injuries he has? It's a one-year flyer, so if he does, he's going to get paid, and he's probably going to move on. And so these are a lot of questions for this team but what Jed Hoyer has been able to do in Carter Hawkins this offseason is say, hey, we are going to spend smartly. We're going to build a great defensive team. The shift is gone. That that means you're going to have to play up the middle. Sound defense at shortstop at second base out of the hot corner and up the middle in center field as well. And so they've built this defensive team. That's why they got rid of Wilson Contreras. They sacrificed offense at the catcher position to bring in Tucker Barnhart, keep Jan Gomes and get really good defensively all across the diamond. And so does that pay off? Do they win a couple of three to two games, four, three games because of defense and a pretty good pitching staff that can keep them in games? I have questions about the bullpen right now, but overall, I think going into spring training and I'll be out there covering the Cubs in less than three weeks, which I'm pretty excited about, obviously getting out of here and getting to the warm weather in Arizona. (laughs) I think fans are expecting this team to be a playoff caliber team, maybe compete for the central because you don't look at the Cardinals and the Brewers as teams like the Braves and Mets and Dodgers and Padres in the East and West and say, eh, we're probably not going to be in the 100-win vicinity and compete with those guys. The, the Cardinals and Brewers are going to be near 90 wins. And so I think if you're looking at the Cubs, things break right. You can be an NL Central champion this season. Am I betting on that? Probably not. But I think they've built a team that can definitely compete for the postseason. Let's go over to the south side of town, Josh, to talk about the White Sox. I know they have a whole bunch of mess off the field. I know we'll <laughs> dive into it a little bit, but I'll focus it on the, on the field first. Uh, Andrew Benettini, I think it was, I thought it was a great signing. He, he'll patrol left field, but 
They still have holes in right right field in that second base. I know Eloy Jimenez came out earlier this week and said he's he's still working his butt off to um to uh, be in that outfield rotation. Uh, I don't want to see it one because. Lakina McGee's favorite moment is when Eloy got wrapped up in a net. I don't want to see that anymore. So I, <laughs> I, I, I have my issues with that. But uh, what do you think the Sox are going to do this spring training? I know they're they have uh, Pedro Grafal Grafal as as their new manager now. But uh, th- this team, even though it uh, it looks good on paper, they still have holes to fill in. What do you think they're going to going to do uh, as spring training approaches at those two positions? Well, right field, and look, you cannot blame Aloy Jimenez for saying he's trying his hardest to be a major league outfielder. He's 24 years old. He wants to be an everyday player at the plate and in the field. Cannot question that, and you cannot blame him. For the White Sox, there is no doubt in my mind he should be a full-time DH. That is the preservation (laughs) of a kid who has shown he just gets hurt in the outfield. It's just that's just the bottom line. There's too big of a sample size now that he's playing defense and getting himself hurt, which of course means he can't be that dynamite bat for you at the plate. He is such a good hitter that you want him in the lineup, similar to Jordan Alvarez. He is one of the top hitters in the major in the majors right now. He's the same age, if not right around there as Aloy. He's basically mm-hmm. a full-time DH. He plays a little bit of outfield for Houston, but um, you have to sit down with Eloy and say, look, you're going to play right field a couple times a year. You're going to play left field for Ben Tendy a couple times, but we want you to focus on being a DH and showing that you could be a 300 hitter with 40 home runs. That should be your goal. Go and do that for this offense, and you will be more helpful than you will trying to play an adequate right field. All right? You get mm-hmm. um, Andrew Vaughn out in right field at first base. He's going to be focused on his offense much more. And I think you're going to see an unlocked Andrew Vaughn. As far as who plays right field, Oscar Colas seems like he's going to get an opportunity this spring training to earn that job. You have Gavin Sheets there again as well. Um, so you have some options to play with, and we'll see what Pedro Grafol wants to do. We don't know much about him as a manager, right? A first-time major league manager. So I'm curious to see how he runs the ship, what he's going to be like, how he um, divvies up playing time and so forth. Second base, you still have a hole as well. But I think people aren't talking enough about this this starting rotation. I don't think it's it's competitive right now with what the Indians and the Twins have, guys, because you have Dylan Cease and then a lot of question marks, right? Lance mm-hmm. Lynn is getting up there in age. He can be a very solid player, but what are you going to get from Lance? Lucas Giolito was one of the worst pitchers in baseball the second half last season. Let's be frank. Mm-hmm. So Lucas going into his contract year, can he revert back to what he was in 2020, 2019? in the first half of 2021 as well. Of course, the Mike Clevenger situation, he's not going to be on this team. He's going to probably either be suspended by Major League Baseball or put on a similar list as Trevor Bauer was until things are investigated with the uh, domestic violence accusations by uh, the mother of his child. And it's some serious allegations, child abuse as well. I don't see why Mike Clevenger is pitching a single inning for the White Sox. But he brought him in because you got rid of Johnny Cueto. And so Cueto was the second best pitcher on this roster last season. So now you don't have Cueto. You don't have Mike Clevenger. You're probably banking on Davis Martin or Reynaldo Lopez filling in that Mm. number five spot in the rotation. So to me, depth was a huge issue last year. They didn't address that this offseason at the starting rotation. It's suddenly an issue again. Michael Kopech has not shown he could be a more than five-inning pitcher per start. So, yeah, you're banking on a lot of things for the starting rotation that to me – 
there are some question marks, and I don't see them being better than Minnesota or Cleveland at this point. Uh, you know, we're talking late January. Things can change, but I think the expectations are a lot different than they were the last two seasons for the Southsiders. Well, thank you for uh, answering my my my, my Clevenger question for me, Josh. Now as we can wrap it days up here with WGN TV's Josh Fryman here on Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown with you now. With Championship Sunday coming up, we're down to the Final Four in the NFL. You got Niners and Eagles and one in the NFC, and you got the AFC. You got the rematch from last year. You got Cincy and the Chiefs. Who are who are your picks and why? I mean, I've been going back and forth on these. It's first of all. Two great matchups. In the AFC, it's funny. You watch the line movement, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas City was favored right out of the gates. Then it quickly went to Cincinnati, minus one, minus two, two and a half in some places. Then we got the injury report. We saw Patrick Mahomes not on the injury report on mm-hmm. Wednesday, which was pretty shocking as a full participant. Then now it's Kansas City favored again, minus one. Uh, could go up to you know minus two, two and a half by the time kickoff happens. And so... You have the Kansas City Chiefs as the number one seed in the AFC, and yet Cincinnati's had their number. Mm-hmm. Beat them in the AFC Championship game last year, of course. How can you bet against Joe Burrow in the playoffs? He is just ice cold. He is so fun to watch. And yet I'm going to go with Kansas City because I feel like they're going to get some revenge from last year's loss in the AFC Championship game. I feel like Mahomes is going to put together just a, a crazy performance on one ankle, and he's going to get it done. I'm going to pick Kansas City by three points in the AFC. In the NFC, I love the Brock Purdy story. I think it's been incredible to see what he's done as Mr. Irrelevant. And Kansas City is the least quarterback-dependent team, maybe in all of football, right? They have so many weapons. I think Kyle Shanahan should be the coach of the year because of what he's done with three different starting quarterbacks on, what, a 10-game winning streak now. You bring in Mm -hmm. um, Christian McCaffrey. You have him, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, great offensive line and an incredible defense. So they have all the weapons, maybe the best total team aside from the quarterback, though. I think Purdy comes back down to reality a little bit against a ferocious Philly defense. I think you got Jalen Hurts as a difference maker for the Eagles. He showed he was healthy last week against the Giants. So I'm saying Mm -hmm. Kansas City, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid versus his old team. You got the Kelsey brothers. It should be a lot of awesome storylines, and that's my pick for the Super Bowl. Haven't decided who's going to win that yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> Last question for me, Josh. Uh, we had your colleague and, and good friend Jared Payton on a few months ago, and we asked him about uh, the the atmosphere around uh, your guys' uh, WG and sports department. Of course, you have our good buddy, Kaylin Shargi, who you work with as well there, and, and Chris Bowden. Talk to us about working in that great a- atmosphere. It seems like you guys have a, a whole lot of fun on the camera um, watching you guys on G and sports tonight. You can catch that every night at 10.30 p.m. on WGN TV here in Chicago. Talk to us about uh, working with the great um, uh, with the great sports department. You guys uh, yeah, have a pre- lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate the shout out for the show. And yeah, we do have a lot of fun. We don't take ourselves seriously. We have a good time. Uh, similar to how me and Jared hosted CLTV Sports Feed. Sid, I know mm-hmm. you were on our show back in the yes. day. And, um, you know, that was kind of the vibe we wanted to bring. It's a different format, right? It's more highlight driven. It's only mm-hmm. half hour versus the hour. But we try to bring some of that same passion and same kind of a levity to sports. We have a fun segment at the, at the end of the night called what's good. It's kind of like what's uh, you know, what's an uplifting story or a viral video or something funny that we can kind of end the night on. We have some really great guests come on uh, for, for interviews as well. We get to touch on everything from high school sports to the college scene. You know, Chris was covering uh, Chicago State and their football announcement yesterday that they're trying to 
Um, looking to adding a D1 football team. Caitlin was covering Jeremy Ferris from Joliet West, who's a high school All-American. So because we have such a big sports staff, we get to go places that other TV stations in town don't. We're sending two people to spring training. Um, we get to do so many things. Because we have this platform, and we're so lucky that we do, uh, we just hit the three-year mark of GN Sports. It's really evolved since we started it in early 2020. And, um, yeah, it's been great to have Caitlin and Chris on board um, with JP and myself. We have great producers. Obviously, I want to give a shout-out to Joel, Rick, Ernest, Sean. Um, we have a big staff that does a lot of the legwork legwork, excuse me, behind the scenes. And so, yeah, very fortunate to be able to work at WGN. Actually, wearing my uh, my WGN fleece right now. <laughs> 75 years celebrating yes. at WGN this year. So I don't know if you've, you've seen every week. We've had some awesome WGN 75-year mm-hmm. yeah. specials. We've also had some on GN Sports. Looking back at the great teams and players and coaches that we've covered and had on our airwaves. So it's been a lot of fun doing that as well. I can't wait for you guys to do more of the 90s Bulls because I, I know you're a little bit younger than us, Josh, but uh, watching those games on WGN and when they got when the games got back on there full-time in the, at the start of the 89-90 season, of course, and, of course, going through those championship years, those are some of the best memories of my life and all of our lifetimes watching those many of those games on WGN TV. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame we don't have the games anymore, obviously. But um, looking back through you know old videos, I got to talk to Billy Williams recently for one of those sit downs. The uh, the '69 team that is still in the hearts of Cubs fans, even though they obviously lost down the stretch to the Mets and uh, you hold you know curse the black cat and everything. But you know Billy, he says basically WGN and and the Cubs they kind of helped build each other because of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that team was so special that there is no '84 team, there is no. 2016 Cubs team without what 69 helped build because of the franchise building that Cubs fan base and then the superstation obviously spreading that throughout the country. So it's uh, it's really cool to work for a station like WGN that's been around as long as we have and has such a, a unique tie to the sports fandom of Chicago fans everywhere. All right. Again, Josh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. To, to tell everyone we said hi. I mean, I know we know a lot. Of, you know, we know a lot of people who work there, including yourself. So I continue the great, great work. And uh, you guys, you can follow him at jo- Josh underscore Fryman on Twitter. So, uh, Josh, you know, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, stay safe. And uh, hopefully, by next time we talk, you know, we'll have uh, better things to talk about on the local side, at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk soon. All right, much continued success, Josh. Take care. Thank you. All right. All right, so we got a stretch for a second. Our girl, Christine Maddox of KSRB, is on deck. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about all this stuff, you know, and so much more. Championship Sunday coming up next. Lakita McGee, Cindy Brown, Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Our girl, Christine Maddox of KSRB, coming up to join us right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. 
Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome back to Second City Sports on Hashtag Football Friday Edition. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. This is our last segment for the week and the last segment for the show for today. You want to hit us up in the comments section? You can do so at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in questions and comments and predictions. Uh, Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's not waste any time. Let's bring in our homegirl from KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Here comes Christine. The Queen Manica. What's up, Christine? Hi, how's it going? Good, good. Doing good. great. Doing you. great. How are you? Good, good. Doing really well. A little cold, yeah. but we're good. Oh, no, I know it's getting colder here as well. So, yeah, kind of getting back into reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, the sports are hot. So, uh, let's get right to it and talk some championship Sunday. We'll talk about that first. Now, of course, we'll do uh, the first game, you know, off the bat here, which is the early game. In the NFC, you've got the 49ers and the Eagles. Now, it's interesting because, of course, the Brock Purdy story we talked about. We talked about with our buddy Josh Fryman from WGN. Interesting that no, he has not thrown an interception in 59 attempts this postseason, by far the most attempts by any rookie. No rookie has even gotten to the Super Bowl. So, uh, Sid, you start this one, and I, I don't. I think it's gonna be the first time that they played in for the NFC title game, if I'm not mistaken. If I might be wrong, but yeah. So, Sid, what do you think? 
Yeah, this is the third title game in the last four, four years for the San Francisco 49ers. I know what happened last year. If I forgot his name. Tart didn't uh, pick up, uh, if he picked up that pass from Matthew Stafford early in that fourth quarter last year. San Francisco would have went on to the Super Bowl. We know what happened to them against uh, KC a few years ago in that uh, last Super Bowl appearance. But uh, focusing on back to today, the 49ers need to run, run, run the football with Christian and McCaffrey. I think Philadelphia's run defense, although it's good, uh, I think you could uh, wear that uh, wear that uh, defensive front down. On the flip side for Philadelphia, we all know about the weapons with Jalen Hurts and uh, wide receivers A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. But I think Philadelphia uh, is vulnerable a little bit. They can run the football as well, but uh, this San Francisco's defense is way better than that, San- and then that New York Giants defense, which Philadelphia demolished, uh, last, uh, demolished last Saturday night. For me, it comes down to running the football and turnovers. In San Francisco, how much will they blitz Jalen Hurts? We'll see. But my magic number is three. See, what's the magic number three? If Philadelphia, uh, sorry, if San Francisco can sack Jalen Hurts three times, I think they'll win this game. One more game, as you young folks would say. If if San Francisco's defense can sack Jalen Hurts three times and at least get two turnovers, I think Philadelphia's fans will be sitting in their beer crying out there in Lincoln Financial Field. So, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers in a close run. I think 13-10, 16-13, somewhere right that The 49ers must keep this a low-scoring game because we all know that Philadelphia can score points at a premium, but Philadelphia is favored by two and a half. I'm going with San Francisco. San Francisco must keep this game close but low-scoring. Christine? I'm going, I've been with both of these games this weekend, I've been going back and forth so many times, and Mm -hmm. you really, no matter what the outcome is, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. You have four great teams that are in it this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Brock Purdy, he is just the story of the century. I I guess it just goes to show you, you could be the, the last one picked in the draft and all of a sudden you're in the middle of almost starting in a Super Bowl game. So <laughs> it's crazy how that all went down. And I, I think if like what you said, Sid, if the 49ers can, can sack Jalen Hurts a couple of times and have him uh, do a couple of interceptions too, I think they're going to be in good shape. Jalen Hurts, he's the probably, if not the reason why the Eagles are even in it this year, let alone why they've mm-hmm. had such a great season as what right. they did. We all saw what happened when Jalen Hurts was down, maybe those two, three games, whatever it was, and they lost all of those games pretty much. So it kind of – you really got to see who comes out there and shows up because Philly has been having it easy for the most part this season with their schedule. Mm-hmm. Like They right. were literally just flying through it. And they they haven't really had a, a challenge up until this point, I think. So I'm I oh boy, I love the story. I love what the 49ers have going on, and I think this is it for them. I'm gonna go with the 49ers. It's gonna be a close game, but I'm going with yeah, San Francisco. Uh, like you, Christine. I've been going back and forth with this as well. Now, for me, I think, you know, yes, maybe get to Jalen Hurts if you're if you're uh if you're the 49ers. With you know, with Nick Bosa and Armstead and Kenlaw and Greenlaw and Fred Warner, but to me, I think it's going to be the secondary. Javarius Ward, Tashawn Gibson, 
if they can stop Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, that's going to be a tough task because that's been like the one thing about the San Fran defense, even though they've been number one overall uh, for the last two years, that's going to be the that's kind of the, like the, the Achilles heel. If, if Jalen Hurts could kind of force the ball down the field, then maybe, you know, that could probably be the thing that could probably catch him. But if, like you guys said, if they get to Hurts earlier, talking about the defense, now on the, on the flip side of the, uh, the Eagles, I'm sure they're going to do the same thing. They're going to rattle Purdy. That that crowd's gonna be very loud. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have the music blaring. So it, we'll see how you know Purdy has had not not easy, but you know it hasn't really deterred him so far. It's probably gonna be like the most you know boisterous atmosphere he's gonna be dealing with so far. I especially I, Kevin Hart's there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah definitely right. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah, Kevin Hart's gonna be there too. So you know he's gonna be like you know in in her Purdy's here. As well, so I think if you're the Eagles, you want to try to kind of if you're the Eagles defense, you want to try to rattle him a little bit. I've been back and forth. I might hate myself. I might hate myself for this later. Uh, I'll say the 49ers just because of the experience, I guess, for the most part. But like I said, if you're the you're Fletcher Cox and that front seven for the Eagles, you're gonna to try to want to get to Purdy early around him. So it's really gonna be the defense for me, and it's gonna be the real key here. All right, let's go to the AFC and Arrowhead. This is the second straight uh, meeting between these two teams for the AFC title game, Cincy and Kansas City. Now, Joe Burrow, of course, you know, what more has not been said about Mr. Burrow? He is, what, 3-0 and now against the Chiefs? He's 3 and he got probably the, He's got the best uh, postseason record of any starting QB for the Bengals. We've seen all the records he's broken. We know Mahomes, he's not, he was not in the injury report. He's going to be good to go, so he's going to be at 100%. I know there's been some uh, some back and forth uh, trash talking between the two teams <laughs> this all this week. So, uh, Christine, you start this one for us. No, are you sure I should start this one? I don't know. I only feel it right to give it to my buddy Sid to start it off first. <laughs> no, don't pull that trick, young lady. The the, the, the <laughs> counting count of the picks are, are over. <laughs> oh, boy. I just, you know, going back and forth again with this team. We don't know how healthy Mahomes is. It's kind of been this hidden secret for the past week about how strong is he right now. You know, has we know that he's been practicing, but has he been feeling good? Has he been, you know, taking the time that he needs to have his ankle heal? We don't know. But then again, we also know that he's probably pretty gosh darn mad that he has not beaten Joe Burrow like at all it, it's driving him insane probably <laughs> and arrowhead is not an easy stadium to play at their fans are probably just as rowdy um as the philadelphia fans so that that's a whole nother situation but with this game none of the both of these teams did not have the best starts this season and you know jamar chase was out for that period of time and and now all of a sudden cincinnati's is having like this rebirth moment could could they do it again can they go to the super bowl again absolutely is patrick mahomes gonna for once beat joe burrow i don't know (laughs) like that could honestly happen but i i think because of the uncertainty that is surrounding Mahomes' health at the moment, I'm going to go with the Bengals. It's going to be a close one. And you really have to figure out how to stop that Kansas City defense. So I'm, yeah, I'm holding my breath as I pick the Bengals for this one. (laughs) 
Well, we don't want you to hold hold your breath, uh, Christine. I'll, I'll go ahead next it, but uh, I mean, to me, the key is going to be the uh, that KC defense, and can they, you know, sort of stop that O line and force Hill Burrow to kind of, you know, sort of rally him a little bit? And because I know I heard Willie Gay's comments, I know that you know some folks are kind of, you know, getting a little bit antsy about it. But I mean, look, what else is he going to say? I mean, they're 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 pissed. The, the Chiefs are they so pissed mm-hmm. about what happened last year? So. I don't blame him for for these comments. I mean, I think I think for me, I think it's going to be can they get to Joe Burrow? I think that's going to be the key. Mm-hmm. Let Mixon be the one to beat you and such. So, the, look, I mean, the, the KC defense is actually a pretty solid defense. They're not Buffalo, unfortunately, but you know they're at full strength. So for me, I don't know. I mean, can can the Bengals defense? But look, the Bengals defense actually you know kind of kept Mahomes at bay for a lot of you know parts of that that last year's tie game. People forget so. And I know Mahomes, that's that's in his mind. So I don't know. I mean, you know, this is another one I've gone back and forth on, but I'll, I'll pick Kansas City mainly because I think they want that revenge. Mahomes, you know, he's he's 0-3 against Burrow. He wants to you know, get that win. He wants to go back to the Super Bowl. But it, like I said, if, if the defense, if that defense, you know, if, if uh, Hub, Sam Hubbard and Logan Wilson – and Trey Henderson, if those guys can kind of force Mahomes to kind of test out that angle, if it's not 100%, that's going to be the key. But I think the it'll be close. It might come down to a field goal, Harrison Butner's field goal maybe, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs in a close one. It's going to come down to the running game for the Kansas City Chiefs with Isaiah Pacquiao, especially with uh, the limit of mobility of Patrick Mahomes. And let's see if Travis Kelsey can have another big game. I know he had 14 catchers. Last week and then went over Jacksonville, but I think he's going to be key as well. On the flip side for Cincinnati, run that ball real hard. Continue to do it with Joe Mixon. You saw we did to that piss poor uh, run defense of Buffalo last Sunday afternoon. Uh, Cincinnati is going to have to have that same game plan again. I know what they did last year in that second half of that championship game uh, in KC. So the, this team is experiencing experience. They've been in tough situations on the road before. Uh, it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be kind of sort of close, but I'm going with Cincinnati. But I and think Kansas City Fox- as of right now is favored by one point. Oh yeah, so it's is a pick 'em here too. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I think your Fox, but I think your Fox, you're gonna be fine. Whoever ends up being, I think you're okay with. So right, any yeah. combination, any combination, whether it's Eagles, Bengals, Eagles, Chiefs, or 49ers, Bengals, you know, that's that's like the, the, the fourth time those two would probably would meet in a Super Bowl or 49ers, Chiefs. I mean, look, you can't go wrong with any of those combinations. So mm-hmm. yeah, should be interesting one coming up on Sunday. And those are our picks for a uh, championship Sunday. Well, yeah, that, that was quick. <laughs> you listen to the second season sports on sports of Chicago. Lakita McGee, Cindy Brown, our girl, KXRB's Christine Manica, uh, join us. Now, Sid, uh, we actually did not do the schedule for uh, the NBA this week. And this weekend, I'm a little bit uh, miffed about that. So we'll get to the all star uh, stuff in just a second because mm-hmm. the way they're doing it, the way they're doing it's a little bit weird. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, f- real quick, you know, tonight's matchups Friday, got, we got Milwaukee and Indiana at six o'clock. And uh, the first game of the NBA TV double have remember these games are not on uh, ESPN. You know, this is some other due to other uh, commitments. But uh, yeah, Memphis and Minnesota that should be a tough uh, a good one at six thirty. Orlando and Miami at seven. Cleveland and OKC at seven. And uh, the second game of the NBA TV don't have a doubleheader tonight. Toronto and Golden State at nine o'clock. Yeah, ESPN will have the X Games in NHL hockey tonight. So that's why those two games are NBA TV. Going to tomorrow's action, of course, you have the Chicago Bulls at the Orlando Magic at 6 o'clock. ABC will have a triple header to cap off rivalry week in the NBA. At 2 o'clock, we'll have Denver at Philadelphia. 
followed by the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets without Kevin Durant and the New York Knicks at 4.30, and followed by the Lakers and the Celtics at 7.30. Those three games I just mentioned will be seen on ABC tomorrow night. Other games of note, the NBA for tomorrow, the uh, Houston at Detroit, the L.A. Clippers at Atlanta to take on the Hawks at 6.30, Sacramento at Minnesota at 7 o'clock, Washington at New Orleans at 7 o'clock, and at, also at 7 o'clock, Phoenix at San Antonio. And then at the nightcap, we'll have Dallas at Utah at 8 o'clock and at 9 o'clock, Toronto at Portland. That should be a good uh, triple header there that ABC has. So those are good. Those three games are be, should be really good. Now, Sunday's games, uh, Milwaukee, I mean, Miami, I should say, at Charlotte at noon. That's right before the NFC title game. Then you got Indiana and Memphis at 5. And you got the Clippers because they're their uh, East Coast road trip against Cleveland at 6 o'clock. And the NBA TV Sunday game of the night game of the week. You got the Pelicans and the Bucks. That should be a fun one at 7 o'clock. And that is your schedule for this week. In the in, this weekend, I should say, in the NBA. Now, the NBA uh, announced their starters for the All Star game, and we'll start on the uh, Western Conference side. Of course, you know LeBron James was the uh, the top uh, vote getter uh, once again. This will be his what 19th All Star game. I think he's already uh, passed. Uh, he's uh, he's tied with Kareem now. He passed uh, Kobe. They got mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zion Williamson of, and uh, Steph Curry and of course Luca. Those are your uh, pool players. Uh, the stars on the Eastern side. Top vote getter on that side. You got Giannis, KD. He should be back by then. Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and uh, Donovan, Mit- Donovan Mitchell. So, uh, folks, any issues with any of those uh, those selections? Not really. Uh, Although uh, there's no Chicago Bulls, but they, do, they don't deserve an, an All Star this year because mm-hmm. of the way their team's been playing. <laughs> Yeah, now I was gonna say, regardless of what you think of any of the players, they they deserved it. They they deserved to be starting, obviously, if they were picked. So, yeah, no issues there. And the weird thing they're gonna do is they're, they're actually gonna do this like PE style because they're apparently they're gonna be have uh, I guess uh, LeBron and Giannis are gonna be picking guys whoever gets named in the, the reserve. So I guess they're gonna be picking you know you might see a mixture of Eastern guys with Western guys and vice versa. So I guess that's how they're doing it. You know, do it kind of like you know I hate I would hate to see who, who's who else want to get picked, but uh, yeah, that should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to these all star games. Again, we watch a whole bunch of them. Um, you know, growing up in the '80s and '90s, but I kind of like this. Uh, I, I know that uh, they should have done this. Uh, many fans have wanted uh, them to do this a few years ago, but it's, it'll be nice to see. Uh, who, first of all, who's going to be picking these teams? Will it be LeBron or Giannis again or LeBron somebody else? But uh, I'll, uh, I'm interested to see how the NBA pulls this up because everything is, is about a show now. So I want to see what kind of production that goes into this. I'm actually yeah, looking forward to this, to be honest. Yeah, with you. yeah, well, yeah. LeBron and Giannis have already been named captain, so uh, those okay. are going to be uh, picking. So yeah, that should be. I like I said, I feel bad whoever whoever gets picked last. I feel bad for whoever that person is, but uh, yeah. that should be. Yeah, uh, they could just do it just to get under their skin without saying, "Oh no, we think you're the worst one." They can just do it to you know get that person mad and fired up. Yeah, they might win. That's something they, that Jordan would have done for sure. Oh yeah, you know he would have done this for sure. Yeah. They would have done this back in the day. You know he would have. But uh, yeah. real quick, yeah, real quick before we move on, I heard somebody on national radio uh, bring this up uh, this week. Uh, besides uh, picking teams before the game, you should implement a, 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 a trade scenario at at halftime. <laughs> kind of like what MTV did back in the day, Lakina oh, with yeah, those rock and, and jock. Yes. Oh yeah. It, it, insert that. 
insert that like Trey LeBron for Giannis or something like that. <laughs> oh Lord, that'll be a. Oh Lord, that'd be a. <laughs> they should do that. They should do that. That would be uh, interesting too. Yeah, have <laughs> a lot of fun there too. Now, uh, Scott Rowland going to the MLB Hall of uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. I should say Scott Rowland was the only one selected. Seven-time All-Star, he's an eight-time Gold Glover, fourth amongst uh, third baseman all-time. Only the only four National League uh, third basemen have accounted for more war than uh, Mr. Rowland. And, uh, of course, you know, Eddie Matthews, Chipper Jones, the late great Ron Santa, all four of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Rowland is now on that list. Do you guys have any issues now? I think he should have gotten in, a, gotten in maybe a couple of years ago. But, you know, you know how weird uh, that is. Uh, Todd Helton, you got to think he'll get in next year because he was like 11 votes short. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so what do you guys think? You know, Scott Rowland being the only one to uh, join Fremer Griffin in the Hall of Fame this year. A lot of people, I think, didn't think that this would actually happen. Like, there would actually be a vote and people were like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, let's have him go into the Hall of Fame. But, no, I think it was well-deserved. It was really the video that they that yeah. he showed of uh, you know his his parents and just that emotion it's yeah. it's it's very bittersweet it, I shouldn't say bittersweet it's just sweet the only disappointing thing about this is that you know, the baseball hall of fame you have these veterans committees and uh, things along that line you only mm-hmm. uh, elect one person to get in like you know, I thought, uh, like I said, Todd Helen would have gone in this year. He'll probably go in next year. But uh, there are certain guys, me in my opinion, that should be in. Like uh, Gary Sheffield, you know, he uh, he was never caught for uh, officially caught for steroids. Uh, of course, right. we, we all know about uh, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. But some of those guys uh, from the uh, from the late nineties, early two thousands, quote unquote steroid era, were there was a suspect of that they're in the right. Hall of Fame now. If, uh, which we know this is the case. Why not let Bonds, uh, Bonds and Clemens in? Exactly. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. Well, it's sort of weird that I, I thought Billy Wagner would have gotten in. We talked about it said, when the list first came out. Mm-hmm. He saw he saw a nice little uh, jump in percentage uh, points. Andrew Jones also saw a nice. You, you, you got to hope that some at least a couple of those guys will get in next year. Carlos Beltran, I know I would have thought maybe he would have gotten in, but then they got the sign stealing scandal and, and such. Okay, but yeah, his his chance of kind of dim- some people are not going to let him in but yeah the, the, you know there's a steroid thing I, I never gotten that just put a different way for that era I mean it's not like baseball didn't know baseball knew what was happening now they want to be exactly. all high and mighty they want to be all high and mighty about it like ah, you know let's not let them in Even and though- there was no rules in place back then yeah in the late and- 90s for steroids they weren't I, yeah, I think and- what I've been hearing when it comes to you know Bonds and Clemens I I can't remember which one but and part of the reason why they might not be in it is because they've heard that uh, the attitudes are not the nicest, as in they're not the nicest people. So maybe they're taking those type of politics into consideration. So that's something to think about going forward if you're just a great person on the field and off the field, too. They look at Big Poppy. I mean, you, you saw all the uh, all the, 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 the profession he went through, but he was, you know, he's a nice guy. You know, he was so nice to me. He was so you know, mm-hmm. joyful. That's probably how he got in. So, you know, you might be onto something there, Christine. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about this earlier with, uh, well, we didn't really talk about, but yeah, uh, our, our buddy uh, Josh, Josh Freiman brought it up. The Mike Clevenger situation with the White Sox. Christine, I know you got some strong opinions about this. What do you think? You know, 
he's not the first guy to get charged for this. He's not going to be the last guy to get charged for this. I think the reason why the White Sox really haven't said anything about it yet is they're going to let the process play out, I think, and kind of go from there. They're they're following the innocent until proven guilty model, which is, you know, smart nowadays before just jumping to conclusions. So I we're just going to have to wait to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm going to withhold any opinions or judgment until – you know, it all it all comes into lay because everybody's got something going on outside of the diamond. You know, there there's a whole nother life that they live outside of baseball. And so who knows what what a what went down during the the charging or, you know, just throughout this whole entire relationship. So I'm not saying that he didn't do it. I'm just saying that it's best to let this process play out and just not hold judgment unless you're you know, Deshaun Watson with 23 women coming out, then you can make a judgment call. But right now you can just kind of take a bad seat and let it all play out. We know there's many athletes, as we, as we know, uh, Lakina and Christine, that uh, they've been given second, third, fourth, and, fi- and fifth chances if you ha- have talent. We won't go to the list. But if the White Sox knew of this uh, uh, incident before they signed them, shame on them. We all know mm-hmm. what happened with Tony Russo, and mm-hmm. one of the many fees- yeah. reasons why the uh, fans were upset at him, besides him sleeping in the dugout. Well, remember he had that uh, DUI charge, and they had to delay the announcement, even though it was mm-hmm. during uh, the height of the pandemic. And so that's that the, one of the main reasons why White Sox fans were upset. Like he had a DUI charge, but you still let him manage manage the ball club for two mm-hmm. years, and then it make any sense. But this is really a, a, re, a reflection of the White Sox organization. They really had to take a, a good, hard look at themselves and be honest. That's yeah. really, really what it comes down to. If they knew about this Mike Clevenger situation uh, before they signed him, shame on them. And you notice how they got so far uh, uh, ahead of signing Clevenger. No one was going after him like that. And I'm sure those other teams knew. Uh, and they were smart not to sign them, especially to the amount of money that the Sox did. Uh, this is all about the White Sox uh, uh, with their eggs on their faces, and it's self-inflicted. I'm with you, Christine. I will withhold judgment until we know mm-hmm. all the facts coming out about Clevenger. He'll deal with it in his, in his own way. But this is more about the White Sox organization tripping over themselves on their own two feet. They have no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, it's sort of weird that there's a reason, you know, he's a you know a great reliever. So there's a reason why other teams didn't you know, I think it might have been one other team that kinda was after him, you know, besides the Sox, but there's a reason why a lot of teams did not, you know, come at him. So maybe they knew about him and the Sox didn't. I mean that that's not whoever is supposed to, you know, do these background checks. And it's not the first time that you know, the Sox have been caught with their pants down. So but yeah, you know, let's withhold judgment, you know, let's not, you know, make any synopsis between any of that other stuff. Uh, now, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this earlier when we talked college hoops, but uh, uh, Billy Packer, who is the uh, veteran uh, analyst for the Final Four, did 40 straight uh, Final Four uh, games uh, on television, of course, and uh, on the radio. Died uh, his uh, his son, Mark, uh, who does a great job covering the ACC and the ACC Network. He and his brother broke broke the news uh, late last night. He had uh, you know, succumbed to kidney play. I'm talking about uh, Billy Packer uh, at 82. He passed away. He was sort of like a voice for the generation for all for maybe. I know you probably saw a little bit of his games too, uh, Christine. But uh, mm-hmm. he was also all people forget he was also all ACC when he was at Wake Forest in both 61 mm-hmm. and 62. So 
He helped actually lead Wake Forest to three ACC regular season titles and the first Final Four appearance in 62. So a pretty solid player in his own right. But, of course, his, his analyst work, um, you know, was, you know, vital. And uh, he saw so a friend of mine, actually, uh, our buddy uh, Tuan Stale, of course, who uh, New York Daily News, of course, who, of course, covers the Jets. He actually showed a clip of probably one of his best calls. We'll talk about uh, Packer when he and Gary Bender called the 83 National Championship game between uh, NC State and Houston. Of course, you know, the Wittenberg, you know, uh, air the late Valvano hug is trying yeah. to find somebody to hug after that shot. Yeah, they wanted. Yep, they you know his you know his words. You know, Packers words were they wanted on the dunk, and you know of course yeah of course like Sid said uh, you know coach coach Valvano you know running around to hug him and uh, Al McGuire and Dick Edinburgh, I'm sure on all, on all three are now going to be uh, calling the games up uh, the March Madness up in heaven uh, this year, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just a great a voice. I know he could be polarized mm-hmm. for some people, but you know he was a voice of college hoops uh, for both the ACC and nationally for a long time. Yeah, he was a sharp analyst, and uh, uh, he had some criticism on, uh, against certain teams and certain coaches at times. But uh, he he called it the way he saw it. And uh, a, when you watched the tournament game, he of course he was paired up with Jim Nance when I started really get into college basketball in the mm-hmm. late 80s and in the mm-hmm. early 90s. I know Jim Nance is going to retire from college basketball uh, after this year, but when you saw those two, you knew it was going to be a big game, and and you knew you was going to get a sharp analysis and, and with the storyline surrounding uh, the teams that were uh, that were playing, especially in the tournament. So uh, his contributions will never be forgotten. He'll definitely be missed. Christy, you got, you got, you got something to add, Christine? Uh, what exactly what you said, Sid? Just a just a great analyst. Always gave a good read on team, players, coaches, whatever the case is. And yes, he he will be missed. Absolutely. Now going back to the White Sox, but happier stuff for the White Sox. Um, they announced uh, yesterday that uh, they picked up multi-year uh, contracts for Jason Benetti and Steve Stowe. Now, I'm sure it's gonna. We talked we talked about it on uh, you know on uh, messaging yesterday, uh, guys, and uh. I'm sure, you know, with uh, the, the commitments, you know, I'm sure Benet is going to be, Jason's going to be calling some games for Fox, baseball games for Fox this year, mm-hmm. nationally. So you got to think that that might, and of course, he's still, you, you like, you know, he likes to take days, you know, series off and such. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, look, if Benetti is up, you know, we may not miss Benetti too much. I mean, you know, well, except for maybe weekend series and such, and, you know, same thing with, uh, with uh, Stoney. So, uh, guys, what do you think? I mean, Benetti, he's making his name for himself in his own right. He was, I don't think he was ever going to not do White Sox baseball. I just think that the organization and him and along with Steve Stone were, were trying to figure out something to to let everybody do what they want to do, essentially, whether it's taking that time off or to, you know, venture off into other opportunities. And the White Sox have done a great job with allowing Benetti that freedom and even Steve Stone, too. So I, I think it's a good decision. Yeah, that, that was my gut instinct when I uh, read that story yesterday for Jeff Agress from the Sun, t- Chicago Sun-Times. It's, uh, the White Sox, I know, would, they're no different than any other professional team uh, in town and, of course, in all your uh, major sports that you want your primary announcers to do the majority of, of your local team's yeah, games. That's what they signed up for. But uh, with Jason Benetti's profile growing, uh, each year <clears throat> now doing college basketball. And like I said, he's going to do baseball for Hawks. He'll probably do Peacock as well coming up this year as they go into year number two uh, of the uh, deal with uh, NBC and MLB. And so with him doing the work, your profile, White Sox, raises uh, 
races up that much more. So mm-hmm. uh, but Benetti has done a great job. He'll continue to do a great job. I think the issue for, for them was how many off days was he going to have and mm-hmm. was he going to be there to do the available uh, most of those games. You have 162 games. As long as he does between 100, uh, 120, 130, he'll be all right. They, mm-hmm. They've done it before. Let's, let's, right. let's and not act like this is the first time you've gone through this rodeo. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the crazy thing about it is that, look, if he has to miss, like, 30 games, okay, especially if – as long as it's, it's spread out, I think, White Sox mm-hmm. fans shouldn't be – White Sox fans shouldn't be, you know, too worried about it. I mean, you know, it worked – you know, look, I mean, Boog, you know, does it. You know, he does – you know, he takes – you know, he has – he look, he's going to be calling uh, the World Series on ESPN Radio starting this coming season. Yeah, he so. has Sundays off because yeah, he does Sunday yeah, night so, baseball too. So. Exactly. <laughs> On the radio. Yeah, Nick, huh? Yeah, Marquis accounted uh, him you know, pretty well. So uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. no one. I know uh, Brian Anderson, and when he does NBA, and you know when he does, of course he does. Uh, he covers the uh, he does the Brewers games, but he also mm-hmm. does you know NBA and uh, college hoops for Turner. You know they 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 you know the Brewers they work out for uh, their scheduling too. So I mean, you know, come on, I mean, what's the big deal? Of course, we know our buddy Sparrow did. Unfortunately, the Knicks wouldn't let him. That's one of the reasons why he left because they wouldn't let him do a lot of the national stuff. So the Lakers too, yeah, the Lakers well, yeah. too. That's uh, oh why yeah, I heard about that go. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah they mm-hmm. let him go too because his star was starting to rise and such. So yes, yeah. so I think I think local teams need to kind of like, especially if they're guys, it only helps them their their yeah. team profile mm-hmm. when your guy has national uh, profiles all over the place. So I think you know these teams, and I'm glad the the, the White House and Marquis realize that with with our, with our guys. So that, mm-hmm. that's awesome to hear that. Uh, I'm happy that Bidet is going to be doing uh, games. I, I really, I, I like it from from jump. I'm, I'm glad his star is on the rise. And uh, yeah, him and uh, we look, we struck gold here in Chicago with a lot of our younger guys too, with him and, and Adam and me. So yes, awesome. and both of them being from yeah. born and raised in Chicago helps that yep. much more. <laughs> much, much more. And, you know, of course, we talked about this too also offline uh, yesterday, guys. Uh, looks like there won't be, like, the, the well, at least the Sox and the Bulls won't be going anywhere, it looks like. After, of course, we talked about it, you know, October of next year is going to be when uh, the rights are up. It looks like, you know, Jeff, Jeff, you know, Jeff Ackers reported that it looks like that's not going to happen. He's not going to pull the, up top about Ryan Sarf will not pull the plug. On uh, NBC Sports Chicago, it looks like they're going to be staying there. Nothing officially yet, but it doesn't look like that's where it's going to be, where it's going to go. Especially after what's happening with uh, Bally Sports, we won't talk about that because it's a little bit complicated. But uh, yeah. yeah, so what do you guys, what, what do you guys think? So I know you, uh, you, you, you told us about it, but I saw a uh, buddy Dave Curter from WBBM. Uh, he retweeted an article of a similar thing. So uh, yeah, what do you, what do you guys think? At least uh, the white uh, the white Sox uh, in the Blackhawks. I know the uh, the Bulls and the Sox are Ryan Store's groups uh, concerned, but at least they'll, they'll have a home for the not too distant future. So, right, yeah, uh, 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 good for them and uh, good for the folks at uh, at at NB, uh, NBC Sports Chicago. We know that uh, NBC they've been uh, cutting jobs here and there. We know a few people personally uh, looking at being uh, uh, affected mm-hmm. by this, and so our, our hearts uh, go out to them. But yep. I know that they were struggling with whether they should keep on with these regional networks or not. So, but as, as far as uh, for the not too distant future, good for the Bulls, Blackhawks, and, and White Sox to still have a permanent home, but it looks like for, for their foreseeable future. Well, you got, well, you got anything to say about this, Christine? And we talked about it uh, yesterday. Yeah, you know, Dad, Dad, now who, who cares about the, the Cubs? They can go wherever. It's fine. Bears, nobody wants to watch them embarrass themselves for another year. So 
We'll see what happens there. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting because the Bear River, the Bears, they need a new TV home. So yeah. they got a new radio home. So they're going to need a new, new TV home, too. So I know I know Fox has been, you know, one that Fox Chicago, I should say, that they've been one to keep them. But Marquee, they're, you know, they've been kind of forward, too. So it's, it might be, a, it looks like it's going to be a battle between those two as to who will get the, the right sales Bears uh, flagships uh, uh, TV games. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the actual well. games, but it's a pregame show? And show, inside the, the Bears, and yeah, yeah inside the, the Bears, games. yeah, mm-hmm. the preseason games as well too. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's gonna be interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we disperse? Real quick, I know we're running up against it. Um, the um, Pro Football Hall of Famer uh, Ed Reed, he was hired by oh, a yeah. Bethune Cookman of a HBCU. That's the story. Black colleges and universities. So those of you scoring at home. He was hired uh, to uh, coach the football team about uh, almost a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to Roland Martin, the TV host and journalist. He's been covering for his YouTube channel, World of Martin Unfiltered. And uh, Ed Reed put, a, put, uh, put some videos up on his Instagram live page uh, showing the conditions of the school. Uh, he didn't like it. He let, the, he let the, his football team, his recruits, and then the students follow to help clean up the school. Of course, he showed the inside of his supposedly uh, office. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was filled with uh, mildew and mold and trash. And yeah. then, of course, all the parents have been speaking out about this all week. The students have been speaking about this way before Ed, Ed Reed was hired. So they've been active. Uh, on campus. I know Roland Martin is supposed to bring his uh, people down to that campus next week. We'll see what happens. But all I got to say about this is I'm not going to indict every HBCU because that's not fair. That's not right. But uh, this is about the administration and where they lie. They're trying to silence those students' voices, and and that's not right. And those conditions, especially at an historic college like that, it looks great on the outside, but the inside looks like trash. That is inexcusable. I blame the administration for that, not the students. The students should be there to learn. They don't have to. They shouldn't be worrying about uh, having mildew in their classroom and for the football players uh, having uh, to wash their own clothes and practice and mildew and stuff, which causes cancer and the other various and, uh, illnesses. Uh, they shouldn't have to worry about outside stuff. Uh, and that's not right and that's not fair. Shout out to those students in Bethune Cookman for continuing to be active. Uh, my support goes to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. And I think that's one of the reasons why. And I guess you know the administration was not very happy with uh, Mr. Reed as he uh, he uh, posted uh, those videos. Now, look, we know how HBCUs, you know how unfortunately how they're funded. Some of them are not funded well. That's why some of them have mm-hmm. left the SWAC and the MEAC and have gone to other conferences to get more you know financial stability and such. I know that uh, President Biden has signed a deal to get more money to get to those, those HBCUs. I know so, but this is one of those cases where uh, they're not using that money well. And I think it's unfortunate. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, and look, our buddy, the Moscow, the Moscow says, unfortunately, a lot of the plenty of HBCUs are like that. Look, he, look, he knows people who live in those areas. So I, I think he probably mm-hmm. would can speak for experience uh, or by the mod can. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, and you're, and you're right, Lamont, too. I mean, yeah, more more attention should be put to those situations, to every situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that it's not getting more attention. But, you know, like, look, I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere. And then they'll look up, you know, because, yeah. And it, look, look what, uh, you know, prime, you know, look, no one at, no one at Jackson State, you know, was mad at Dion. Well, most of them weren't. Not all, not all of them, but I think most of them weren't. And, and look, I think, you know, you, you got more, look, look, more, 
exposure to the program, these programs. So if you want to be treated well, if you want to be at that level with the, with some of the mainstream schools, you got to have the money to do it, and you got to actually use the money well. So it's unfortunate that this is happening over at a at a historic place like Bethune Cookman. Yeah, Ed Reed shined a light on this situation. The students uh, uh, were protesting, but they weren't they they weren't being heard. And, and what Ed Reed did put in those videos on his Instagram live, it really showed to the world of uh, what was going on at that particular school. Like I said, shout out to the students uh, who are continuing to be active uh, in the situation. And Ed Reed uh, actually uh, gave them props. And you could tell that watching those interviews that the students really appreciate Ed Reed because unlike the administration, Ed Reed has their back, not the administration. And that's a, and that's a problem with a failed administration. Yeah. And that's unfortunate too. So I uh, want to end on a happy note though. Of course, you know, we got the games coming up. So enjoy all the games. Everybody got championship Sunday, college basketball, NBA. So yeah, golf and two also do the a, uh, the Australia, the Aussie Open. We'll see if, uh, if uh, Djokovic can uh, get another uh, Grand Slam title, but a nice showing by the American men too. I think three of them uh, made the quarter, so a nice showing by those guys. But uh, yeah, so uh, you got all this stuff coming up too. But that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can follow your Shirley Sydney Brown on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S I D K I D A zero. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. Christina, Christina, I should say, where can a lot of people follow you on social media? They can follow me at cmanica underscore KXRB. Like I said, enjoy Championship Sunday, everybody. And, uh, of course, you know, oh, the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks won again last night. Uh, oh, that's yeah. not good. The tanky job should be back on. Yay. <laughs> yay. Oh, gosh. No, oh, boy. So. Oh, yeah. We forgot to ask Josh. Do you think that they're going to trade? Uh, are they going to trade uh, Taze and Kane? You know? Nope. <laughs> you, know, you, don't think, you don't think they we'll will? We'll find out March 3rd. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, yeah, we got about another month before the trade deadline, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, we'll, we'll spare you from asking about the Bulls, Christine. I know you're you're about as smith about them as I am So uh, at this point, but uh, – <laughs> You catch it's us. not the end of February yet. Okay, yeah, that's true. That is true. You are right. You are right. So yeah, you can you can, you can watch our show anytime or listen to our show anytime. We'll start with that first on War Media, wherever you get your podcasts and such. You also uh, watch us on Roku TV. Let me get that up here. Okay, there you go. So yeah, so if you got the Roku TV app, if you got uh, the Roku uh, stick, you can go you know, watch our show, Sean and Maya. Uh, what's up, cuz the smoke fellas? I'm sure uh, uh, they'll have some uh, great stuff. You know, previewing the championship Sunday, uh, this Sunday coming up. Well, tomorrow actually, because the show's tomorrow, but yeah. So, uh, for Sid and Christine, I'm the can stay warm out there, wash your hands, and be good to each other. This is Second Sports on Sports Social Chicago, and we'll see you Monday. Love, peace, and hair grease till Monday. Holla. <laughs>